and then hit record. Oh, you're already recording. Yeah, yeah I know, but I could start at any time. Just we'll tired. edit this out. <laughs> Matt's tired, too. Fix it in post. Yeah, I'm smoked. All right, are you guys ready for the pre-podcast breathing session? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do a pre-podcast breathing session. All right, session. go ahead I and kick it. us off. Oh, yeah, so you want to breathe in a double inhale through the nose? It's your whole body. Oh, I let that stuff go. This is uh, Wait, actually. What's a double inhale? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> I'm gonna try to do you it. You heard her both nostrils. She stopped and then started. Oh, oh, it's like a quick one and a long one. Quick and or just two. Uh, I'm not. A, I'd say like only because I've heard monks do it. Your face looks funny when you do it. We that. do it at our church and hey, before but now we I have to know why, why. What's why two? Dude, if you do any kind of breath work, it just—it's it's all made two. up. No, I've this is coming I mean, from my guru, who's officially from India. Well, I mean, so I've been to acting just school kidding. fifty years. That's ago, the credential I mean. to be yeah. a guru is be from India. From India. Like a real one. It's good. That and God's got to kind of have His word in it and ordain it. Um. Okay. Let's now. Now that we've done breath work, I'm ready. Quantum. Dang it! I can never get this right. Quantum. Maybe I didn't hit something. It sounded like what, you got it right. It, it, it just said quantum and you cut it off. What are you trying to get right? She can't hear it. That's the problem. Quantum how did, how did I end up doing this? Oh, I cut my own self off. Wow. How many times did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect start to episode four. Hey, welcome to Quantum Bombs. A wonderful brother who's this, who knows quite a bit about cryptocurrency has us now set up where you can support us on a lot of the podcasting apps via streaming us Satoshi's. And we'll get more into that in the future as I learn more about it myself. But you can find anything out about us on our website. I'm going to kick off with quick intros because these intros are a, a, a kind of a buzzkill on all podcasts, but yet sometimes needed in case you're listening to us for the first time. So there's four of us at this table. I'm surrounded by three lovely gentlemen. Today I'm going to start off with Rex. Rex is our history buff. I think I have to say Rex myself so they know that my voice, since most people aren't watching it. Yeah, yeah. you went back to... Go forward to the mic. Oh, Sorry, okay. I went Sorry. back to amateur hour. Rex, please say hi. Hi, I'm Rex. <laughs> okay, uh, Rex, like myself, has uh, spent quite a bit of time in L.A. He's an actor, and he's spent um, the last 12 years in the UXO industry, unexploded ordnance industry, where he goes around the world cleaning up dangerous bombs. Um, and now he's also works here with Matt and I, my brother across the table from me. Say hi, Russell. Yeah, my name is Russell Hagendorf. Um, I'm into finance and real estate. And yeah, and Beth likes to say I'm into Web3 and stuff like that. But, you know, I haven't claimed any of that yet because I'm really just a Bitcoiner. And uh, we haven't talked about it on the show, but I'm not really sure what uh, belongs on a blockchain and whether these other coins are going to make it or not. So anyway that's so i feel like yeah i'm just really happy you, you took initiative to tell us about yourself last weekend or last week i tried and i ended up having to tell everybody about y'all so that's yeah nice. well I, th I feel like the the whole introduction thing is is the hollywood coming out in you for those that don't know beth's been uh, involved in in hollywood quite a bit and tv shows and, uh, yeah, you don't get introductions as much on podcasts. Oh, just thank God, because I'm so sick of doing them. Just think about Rogan. <laughs> think about Cut Wendell Rogan. They just start talking. Sometimes he actually doesn't do an introduction. You're just like, who is this he person? Never, oh, yeah, you're right. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. So Russell is my brother. As you could see, we like to go back and forth all the time about stuff. Um, you did mention, though, that 
You'd like to be known, because I'm working on our website bios, as an aspiring vagabond and a mushroom expert, but there was a word you gave me. An aspiring <laughs> fungal philosopher. Yeah, so I... <laughs> fungal philosopher. I'd much rather be, uh, talk about, like, my ass. Well, like... Your ass? So, my background is... <laughs> I have a ba- I have a background in engineering, and for the grown-up jobs I've done, has been engineering and a fake geologist. And, like, th- that's boring to talk about. So, I was like, well... And then, you know, I'm in involved in financial markets and real estate. And th- that's what I like to talk about. So if, if you hear me steering the conversation in that direction, that's why. But um, So what's the fungal connection? The, I was telling Beth the other day that uh, I'd much rather talk about, instead of my background, my aspirations. And uh, my, yeah, I, and uh, my aspirations are to be a, a, a fungal philosopher. Yeah, and actually that there's cool quite a bit of topics. I don't even want to ruin it because I quickly want to tell you what it was about, Rex, but we'll save it for another podcast. This, this title I, I got from uh, Terrence McKenna. He's he's dead now, but uh, he's he's got some... That quote I sent you that you really said was deep, that was his. The best He's got quote. some really, yeah. yeah, really good... I think he's the one that came up with the stoned ape theory. Um, anyway, yeah. Well, I, like, I think you have a t-shirt that's fungal philosopher with mushrooms in the middle of it. Uh, me? Yeah, because you sell T-shirts. Yeah, absolutely. While we're on me selling T-shirts, you could always support me at Beth.TV. Each week, I'm pumping out only one design a week, but I've got about 50 in my brain. Check out Matt's for those that are actually watching the show. Um, Russell, I'm looking for that quote you gave me. You can't bring up a quote that good without us sharing it with our audience. Um, You're going to read it? Well, I'd love to, absolutely. Do you mind finding it while I introduce Matt here? And Matt introduces himself. Oh, I'll buy you some time. I'm Matt Barnett. I like uh, chemistry and being in nature, long walks on the beach. <laughs> uh, there you That's go. me. So he's a chemist, explosives expert, and he owns his own explosives company. Yeah, let's get to that quote, Russell. Well, I sent it to you. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. No, I seriously, I well, that's, searched it. And that's what the signal it. that I just signaled here. Oh, I thought you said you found it. Okay, so guys, here's an epic quote by who's it by Russell? What's at the bottom? Oh, Ter- Terrence McKenna. Nature loves courage. You make the commitment, and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream, and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. This is the trick. This is what all these teachers and philosophers who really counted, who really touched the alchemical, alchemic, so help me somebody, (laughs) alchemical gold. Yeah. This is what they understand. This is the shamanic dance in the waterfall. This is how magic is done by hurling yourself into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. Where'd you get that from? Is that from the book, The Alchemist? Well, it's literally Terrence McKenna. That, I mean, I don't, I've looked the is quote up and you know how, when, have you ever looked up quotes? It's like kind of scattered. Yeah. But uh, what is the alchemical gold? You, that was the, uh, that was their gold, uh, goal was to make gold the metal from lead so alchemists which is the beginning of chemistry they call it alchemy uh they didn't understand elements like we do today and they would believe that they could take lead which was a very heavy metal and that convert it into gold through certain processes heating it up mixing things with it you know adding sunshine or fire and the element of water and all these things they were trying to make gold. That was so, their holy grail. So the metaphor is that the who really touched the ability to create abundance and wealth out of lead in yeah. this metaphor. So that's what it means. Okay. Yeah. 
I, I understand the quote better now. So, yeah. Huh. I probably didn't read it as well as I could have. Like, reading it in my head quietly, I understood it more than just I reading it. It's like the unobtainable goal, and, and you'd be able to obtain well, it. Well, I think the reason they, um, it, it's that and not just gold is because, uh, wouldn't it be because you can make You can make it. You can make it from, a, yeah. yeah, you can create it. Right. Create it from a lesser metal, yeah. That's common. Um, yeah. Which would drive the price down. <laughs> right. Indeed. All right, and lastly, I'm Russell's sister. <laughs> Beth Hagendorf. Um, I'm a TV creator. What that means, I, I like taking television concepts and developing them. I'd be known as a developmental producer in the uh, Hollywood world. I do ma- mainly non-scripted shows on science and travel. Um, I say science because a lot of stuff, or a lot of the stuff we film is explosive related. But right now, I'm focusing on my YouTube channel, which is all about spirituality. Explain for the average Joe. Um, despite all the gloom and doom topics we talk about in the <laughs> podcast, my, my YouTube's quite opposite of that. And, uh, you get a much more softer side of me, which we're going to try to put more into our podcast. Um, and yeah, now I'm focusing on producing this podcast and just trying to bring good content to the world. Uh, today we have some heavy topics because we are coming out of uh, day. I think the, the Texas school shooting was yesterday and we will get to that. Uh, I'm because I'm assuming a lot of people would like to know what uh, someone sitting in a room that does have some guns around them has to say and uh, try to look at that from a different standpoint, being that there's been so many gun shootings and uh, we always hear the same narratives. But first, we'll talk about something softer, I think. And this is something that my brother and I kind of argue about back and forth, but it is spiritual really, spiritually related, guys. And uh, I'm a big fan of Abraham Hicks. Uh, she kind of changed my life along with my spiritual counselor, uh, who I was fortunate to see, you know, every other Saturday when I lived in L.A. And um, really just changed my life in regards to how to think. I realized everything I was programmed to think, actually every single thing about society and what I could think of really worked against being a successful person, both personally happy and successful with abundance and financial gains. So the topic I'm talking about is really manifesting a life that, that you, you love and that you're happy with and that, um, you know, it just permeates from the inside out. And uh, it's on Law of Attraction, which is what Abraham Hicks is about. Check her out. She's a fantastic lady. Her name's Esther Hicks. And uh, she goes under the name of Abraham Hicks when she's speaking. But uh, my brother always points out, like, um, oh, you're doing that airy-fairy Law of Attraction stuff, which he actually believes in. And most of what I'm saying but he always thinks that what I mean by that is just sit on the couch and think happy thoughts. And it's a, that's not how you get things to come to you. So I just kind of like wanted to open up the floor because all four of us here are, I think, you know, pretty heavily, I don't know, oiled in spirituality or however you want to say so, it. So your question is, or your topic is, what are the mechanics of the law of attraction, assuming there is something there? Is that right? Yeah. I, I guess so, because, I don't know, it's, it comes out much easier when we're just because arguing about it, but that's it. That's what I Are you implying that there's not something to the law of attraction? You're not, you, I you're, actually, you're a naysayer? I think, no, I think there's uh, definitely something there to it, for sure. But I think that a lot of people think the mechanics are, like she said, where they can just sit around and, and manifest uh, stuff in the physical, uh, in the meat space, um, without taking action. And just thought alone. But I don't think that's in any of the teaching. No one teaching it would ever go that route. Some do. Uh, would they really? Well, Abraham Hicks would. Yeah, and see, that's like the that's like this fun line that we get to talk about right now is, yeah, I mean, 
you actually, life should be easy. Life is easy. Like, according to Abraham Hicks, yeah, you effort is should never be put forth. In fact, don't really? even put forth effort if you're not feeling it. But there's, a, like, a deep science to that. So that's kind of, like, what I wanted to explore. And, um, yeah, I mean, can yes. We, can we talk about Abraham Hicks and Esther Hicks and how they're related? Yeah, I could quickly explain that Unless to you. you don't want to. Some people might think it's a way to discredit. Yeah, that's why I don't say it because okay, it discredits well, then. her. I think I'd rather just let people go out and you, I found her on YouTube. But you know, I sign up every chance I can to go see her in person. But um, yeah, so, okay, so yeah, Russell thinks you can't just sit on the couch. I think a a, calibra a calibrated person though that is emanating positivity and can bring to them what they want. But there's so many other things they're fundamentally doing right already that things are already working out for them. And Matt, open up your mouth. I mean, I know you're Well, I, I, yeah, I'm just you're, trying to listen well on this. to everybody. But my thoughts are when somebody here said the machine or mechanics, that's what you said. I see it as two-part. You have the gears in an engine, and then you have oil that keeps it from eating itself. You getting up every day and doing something are the mechanics. Uh, you like farming. So you get up every day and you till the field and, and you plow the, the field and you plant because you like to do it. That's the mechanics. The way you think is the oil that keeps it cool and keeps it from burning itself up and brings profitability to it. If you told me that I could just sit on my bed and, and, and just imagine all these wonderful things that could come to me, I actually am more in that camp than not, but I don't want to sit on my bed. I genuinely don't want to. I want to do. I want to experience and go and see and be a part of something and have hands-on. And it's by doing that, I get rewarded. I get this uh, euphoric feeling of moving towards my goal. Uh, I heard the, the, the definition of success was the progressive advance towards a worthy ideal. That's success. It's not reaching something. It's not having billions of dollars in the bank. You could have, you could marry somebody whose father had a business and walk into millions of dollars. That does not make you successful. It makes you lucky. It makes you rich. Those things are true. But you're not successful. You're successful when We're you say... We're talking about manifestation. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, well, but that's success, right? And manifesting something, creating something. What, what does the word manifest mean? Money. Yeah, it means to, 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 to bring about. Bring about. I thought. Well, you, more, but more specifically, we're talking about, I think what I thought you were trying to get in the mechanics of it rather than just yeah. the, the general concept of it. On, on his farming comment, I would say, so if the farmer's happy tilling the soil, while he's tilling the soil, the other items in his life that he wanted are being worked out by the universe. So most of the work is happening happening when you're in some type of happy meditative state. That could be while you're swimming, while you're painting, while you're driving. Actually, Rex would love this, while you're driving a car, you know, in a zone of neutrality or neutral neutral to positivity, right? And anytime you're from neutral and downward, you're actually going against the grains of, of the law of attraction. Now you're actually attracting whatever it is that you're being pessimistic about. You get what you think about. At the end yeah. of the day, that's what I'm trying to say. I guess I'm going a long way there. But you get what you think about and... We are designed, I believe, to be creators, and we're happiest when we're creating. And it's not just with our hands. We create far more with our mind than our thoughts. We're talking about why do we get what we think about. Oh, okay. That's a whole. So, thing. so, <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, I thought that's what the 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 deepest question is because I used to think it was you're when you're thinking about um, a problem and you're trying to solve it. When you're actually not thinking about it, like in between the times that you're are thinking about it, your subconscious is actually trying to find a solution for you. And we've learned in recent years how powerful our subconscious is. And so when we can develop a solution to achieve the goal or get the problem solved to get to our goals. And I used to think that's how the law of attraction or the mechanics of the law of attraction works. But I actually think now there's more of the sit on your bed and manifest stuff going on. And the proof is that in quantum mechanics now it's, it's been ever since, uh, what the bleep do we know? It's probably like 15, 20 years old now where they, I was first, uh, mainstream thing that came out and said that, uh, consciousness or our thoughts can influence the real world and the way they did that was with a random number generator and they could uh someone could skew the random number generator in the direction that would be statistically impossible repeatedly yeah and so and so this means our thoughts have an impact on the actual physical world and uh i feel like um i have an answer for your question okay well go ahead well i it's heavy, but it's short. And and the short of it is, I believe that we're in the mind of God. Like everything that is, is a thought. And we are thoughts within a thought. And the reason we get what we think about is because that is what drives all creation. And so we're inside of a giant thought, but we have free will and we have the power to create. And the way at, at its most fundamental level, the way to create is by thought. And so we're in nothing but the most important thing in this existence is thought, not what you see. Yeah, yeah it's 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 uh, everything you said is probably uh, just semantics. It could be found in probably a hundred different teachings, but like the the vocabulary is different. You know, yeah, I, I did mean? it in Matt, but I'm sure it's yeah. right. <laughs> well, well, I mean, like the the vocabulary you lose use can either. Uh, get a religious person to agree with you or offend them. Oh, if you okay. spe- if you use scientific terms, you could be saying the same thing. Yeah. But if you use scientific terms, the religious person would be offended. Um, and if you use the spiritual, they're, they're saying the same thing, just in different vocabulary. Well, offense is not my concern. That's just my thought. Yeah, yeah but, but I actually <laughs> like Russell's point. He's saying what you're saying could also be said different, like the thought matrix. Oh, you're, absolutely. You're, I get it. You're talking about the thought matrix of God. Well, that's such a... a, a, a uh, what'd you say? We're, we're a thought within a thought? Yeah, we're yeah that's such God's a hard thing to get your mind around. It's um, well, is it, it is actually, it really? And actually, here's an example. And I'd like to say, this can all be explained on my spirituality uh, <laughs> YouTube. Dun, 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 I actually dun, dun, do t- teach you about the thought matrix and everything on my um, Eternal Being episode. But what were you going to say, Matt? My example is, pretend you're an Arthur, and you're writing a book. And it's, uh, it's May 25th, uh, 1875 and you're writing about a character named Sarah, and you could write this whole story, right? You're totally capable of writing all that, but you're not capable of giving that character in that story free will. But imagine if you could, and there you would find your thought within a thought. And so if you, imagine you write a really good book, and millions of people are reading your book, and they're there, they're in that story. You've created this world, you know, Lord of the Rings, whatever it is. People are in it. There's all kind of nerds getting together, deciding, you know, what, what the background story is. But imagine, take that to a God level where you can give those characters, not only know the spin of every atom in that world, but give those characters free will. And now you have thought within a thought. A real picture show. Yeah. We can't do it. 
but God's infinite. And, and the scientific explanation of this is the same thing you're talking about. We can see the beginning of it. We don't fully understand it for sure, but we can see the signs scientifically because it's true. And even the plant experiment, they put a plant in the corner of a room. Yeah, that's they had a random light yeah. shine around and they, the, it, the light no longer went random. It actually, the bigger percentage went to that plant. The There's light, something yeah. going on that we can't see, we don't understand. Just so, saying that the plant affected the light? Yes. Yes, yeah, so it chose, like, the light being a robot still knew to shine on the, the plant's corner more than the other corners. Does that mean the, the plant has a consciousness? That's what the they, plant, uh, yeah. I think that's what they took away. Um, it yeah. taught it the could light at least to come to it. it. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so I think what Russell said earlier is something I'm currently exploring. I don't, I can't do a video on it yet. But, uh, you know, I, I was reminded how powerful the subconscious is. So while we are working on manifesting things into our life that we want more of, I think it's up to 98% is um, determined by our subconscious. It's We're running on a subconscious program. So until you can really permeate and change your subconscious, positive thoughts help, but it's like helping 2 to 10% of the equation. So that's something I'm actually well, working on right now and reading some books on. My biggest problem with it is that... Um, the most important thing is the doing, the do. You have to actually get off the couch and do something. And that's, and that's why uh, I, I don't like the law of attraction type people that, that like that's all they focus on <laughs> and they don't take action. You have to be balanced. You have to actually take action. And that's why I think like if you combine like the, um, if you combine it with taking action and then if you assume that your consciousness in the law of attraction is is at worst giving you like 65% odds on a coin flip every time you take a chance that's like open every time you do something that's open to chance your odds are just slightly in your favor and you repeat that over and over again that's a huge edge you could make a very good living on wall street with an edge like that so that's why um anyone who's achieved like really high amounts of success is either knowingly or unknowingly using the law of attraction. And I think, yeah, I think that is, I think they're doing too. Yeah. I'm still kind of confused by the the idea that you say people don't, I mean, you can't sit down on your couch and do it. And and I've never heard anyone who said maybe people who do say that. Well, I've done some of that actually. Actually, I've sat on a couch. Absolutely. But you've got it. My whole, my life has been serendipity. I mean, I mean, I mean, just, you just have to be open to, um, you gotta be moving, but then you see something, for instance, you talked about UXO. I did a career for 12 years that I didn't know existed six months before I started it. I mean, it's going along. So, well, that sounds interesting and went that direction. I mean, but it's like, but you have to be moving. And I, I just can't imagine anyone thinks that you can just sit. Yeah, you have to take your moment, say meditation moments or whatever and do your creativity. But you've got to be out and moving for the things to come in your path to, to, to find them and to happen. I think yeah, you, I you would, can. I would say you, you attracted the UXO in your life primarily because you had, you had a desire for what it supplied but most importantly there was so there was no tension on that desire because you didn't know anything about it now had you knew like oh in two weeks you're going to have an interview for this life-changing job that you want you're going to add tension now you may still get the job but most things we manifest it's something that in the direction of what we want but yet there's not a lot of tension for it and i think the only other point I want to point out, if you could take away anything from law of attraction for like the very few people on listening that actually haven't gotten into this subject, because this subject is, perme- like Russell said, that we're talking about it because it's permeated culture, but it's more for, it sounds like just sit on the couch and think what you want, you get what you want. It's not that. And the word, I think if you could just replace the word think with feel, yeah. and that's, mm-hmm. that's what they, most all the people that's like, oh, what the secret left out, and they did, I think in the first one, 
and this is what I've learned through counseling and is how it, you feel and actually sitting with it. And actually this sounds corny, but now how does it feel in all parts of your body? Like spend some time with, like for me, I, my, one of my big goals that I hope to do is um, shoot a television show about castles in Europe, right? Well, I've got to actually sit down and, and really think, like learn how to feel what that feels like. Now start living in the joy of what that feels like. Because if my body doesn't know how it feels, I can't attract it into my experience. I can, I can give an example that everybody listening can relate to. Uh, I, was, I wanted to say that when people want something, they act on it because they want to feels good because it's what they want to do. Um, so I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people just sitting on the couch manifesting because they're like, I want to do this stuff. So they start doing it, having fun with it. And it goes back to the feeling that she's talking about. But the example I want to give that everybody here can relate to, I just saw it happen. My wife is chasing this fly around the house, right? This fly is flying around. She gets the bug assault gun out. It's about to shoot this sucker. And she lays the, th the gun down. And she goes and sits down at the table and picks up her drink, and immediately the fly shows up. And she goes, oh, I knew as soon as I laid that down, that fly would show up. And it hit me. I was over there, like, cutting something up, and I, it hit me, and I said, everybody can relate to that. Do you, we know. We just know. As soon as we lay this down, something's going to show up. As soon as we sit down to eat, the phone's going to ring. We, we know these things. I said, but have you noticed that everybody's been programmed for this, for the negative? But well, when you feel that feeling, when you feel that same feeling, but it's positive, you get the same result. And you get to choose. You, it takes a lot of programming. But when you say, I can feel, so it's, dude, I'm about to get an email and make a million dollars. It'll happen, but it doesn't happen when you just saying it or thinking it or believing it. You feel it the same way you know that damn fly is going to show up as soon as you sit down. But it's on the positive. You go, oh, my God, I'm, like, I'm fixing to get an email for a million bucks. And you get the email for a million bucks. But you have to be there on the positive side, because whether it's a million dollars or a fly showing up is inconsequential. Let's not yeah, forget Abr you did the actual, you took action yeah. to make, to oh, have the email to show your up wife's, as well. Yeah. To your wife's yeah. point, that's called, you can't get there from there. Meaning like if you're looking for your lost keys, you're not going to find your keys until you stop looking for your keys, at least in a frantic pack. Like you just got to chill and then it'll fall into place. I do want to say, so I guess the back to my castle, it's a perfect example of, yes, I'm not sitting on the couch hoping someone would, would, uh, invite me to be a part of their production or vice versa. However, I make the TV deal work on my couch. I mean, I'm out shooting reels. I'm out creating the space of, of, of a, Hey, I'm a castle expert or, Hey, you know, networking with production companies, et cetera, abroad or whatnot, whatever it will take. So there is action implied. I'd like to think, um, I guess it, for the smaller manifestations, Russell, I think it kind of goes back to Rex's point. Like if you're just a happy person and you have a desire and it's kind of unspecific, in your happy person, I do think it'll come into your, your space just by naturally living. Well, I have a, there's only one person I've ever known who literally made an active, an effort to poo poo the law of attraction, said it was all BS. And it was one of the best manifestors I'd ever known. <laughs> and I think year one and this guy was the other one, someone I worked with in Austin. And, and it was funny because I said, the reason he thought it was BS is because he did it naturally. <laughs> I mean, I worked on sixth oh. street. I worked on 6th Street, and every day, you know what that's like, and every day at work, he would drive up, and there'd be a parking space right in front of him <laughs> every single day. He, it's he, like pre he prepaved that parking spot. That's oh, no. what it's called. Well, but, but, but the fact of the matter is, but he said, he, 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 used, to, he used to joke, he would say, he'd, he'd call it, think it, and he will come, was what he jokingly called the law of attraction. But I said, and I said to him, I said, you don't believe it because you just naturally have that ability. It's just in you. Most yeah. people have to learn it. Yeah. But I think, 
I think the best uh, illustration of the law of attraction for people that aren't really aware of what it is is um, let's say you take a neutral person and and by neutral you have a scale of the enlightened Buddha that uh, you know your guru and then down here you got the guy that just went and uh, you know, wanted to spread so much toxicity, went and killed a bunch of people in the school. If that's your scale of extremes and you have someone right in the middle and you take that person in the middle that's um, in neither side and they get up in the morning and they stub their toe. Now that small little negative thing that happened to them, they can, that negative thing, will, uh, they're going to allow that to affect the rest of their day because that's just going to create a chain of negative events. And they're going to go get their coffee and they're going to spill some. They're going to drop a glass. You see what I'm saying? Like, And people have bad days like that. They let bad days unfold that way. And I think, to me, that's the best illustration. It is perfect. Yeah. Because they had the option to say, silly me, I stubbed my toe. They could have laughed and, at it. Yeah. They yeah. could have laughed at it and went on about their day. No, I actually did. I remember leaving the house once and I lived in LA and it just, just came to mind and it was I was just livid and I was all pissed off and whatnot and I was about to get on the freeway and I'm waiting for the light to change to get on the freeway and the exit the entrance was right there and as soon as the light changed a utility truck came and parked right in front of the oh. entrance just it just I mean right when it changed I was about to go and just stop and the guy gets out of his truck he starts to work but I you know what I did I turned around the corner and I parked my car on the side of the road and said just stop because yeah. I knew that if I didn't change my frame of mind, that was going to happen all day long. Right. To your point, because I knew, I knew that was me. I mean, it's just like I mean, I could have cursed him all day long, but I went, man, that it was all me, just making him pull up in front of me. The timing was perfect. Mm. So anyway, I think yeah, just it, it's funny. Have you ever seen the movie Powder? Yeah, yeah that was a it? long, long time ago. Yeah, but one of the most I thought the most it was subtle, but it was so incredible was that at the very end when he's running. And he's being chased by four people. All four people are at different levels of their spiritual development, from your guru all the way down to the, the, to the to the sheriff who's kind of on the edge of getting it, to the totally ignorant sheriff behind him. And when he when when powder becomes energy and cuts through them, they all have such different reactions. You've got mm. Goldblum who just basks in the splendor of this experience. You got the sheriff who's about to get there, who bursts into tears because he's just experienced this this spiritual event that he doesn't quite know, but he's he gets it. Then you have the other sheriff who's just kind of going, "What the hell was that?" Yeah. And I thought it was just a wonderful example of of people at the at their different phase, at different phase of their journey and how they respond to when things happen to them. Well, I would say that up until now, the most successful year of my life uh, financially started with being robbed and swindled. And I, as I was telling Rex earlier today, we were talking about so, something similar. Um, I let myself feel the initial immediate feeling. I mean, somebody robs you and, and you're, you're angry right, right away. Feel it and then let it go. And then the guy swindled me. And, you know, you get all these images of, like, beating this guy up and taking your money back. And then and you feel it. You, it's okay to feel things. It really is. But they, they're passing through. You don't have to hold on to it. That's the other side of the coin. And I had a thought come over me where I said, this that was just taken from me pales in comparison to what I'm about to receive. And I did not come at it from top down. I didn't say, oh, if I have this thought and I say this, then, then I'm going to get rich. I had that thought comes from somewhere I cannot explain. It was spoken to me. What was just taken from you pales in comparison to what you're about to receive and I went around and, and I told people beginning of that year, I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to make X amount of money. 
and by damn if I didn't make it. Well, but, but what you were doing was you were actually monitoring your thoughts, and I think that's where a lot of people have trouble getting started. Is you said it somewhere in there? You said um, that you felt a certain you don't you can feel it, but you were at least aware that you were feeling it. Oh yeah, you realize like your average person in road rage uh, driving down the highway, like they're not thinking <laughs> like oh. They're not, they're not thinking, oh, I feel really pissed right now. They just feel pissed. So they're not, they don't have the ability to have like a third perspective that's looking in on them and saying, look at this. I'm being yeah. an angry person right now. Yeah. But may I put in something that I've noticed and I've experienced quite recently and I still haven't chosen to get over it. It's because it's, it's, you have that third person that observes it. You have to let go of the pleasure of the anger and the hate. Yeah. And, and because I've found that about myself, I know how to be happy. I just don't want to be yet. Mm. <laughs> Do I'm you serious. know why? It's, it's a big deal. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a mem- you know, it's ingrained in your brain to think that way. Cause I too suffer Peptides. from the same thing. It's validation. Cause I, my biggest crux of getting over in my therapy was like waking up kind of in a negative mood and like, kind of like, like, I gave you an example before the show started. I got mad at my brother for the camera angle in the last episode. And I, I thought about it in my morning meditation, and I drew it on a whiteboard for Matt and bitched about it and showed him how there's no other so angle. I catch all this crap. You thought so, about Russell screwing things up during your meditation. Yeah. That's, no. Okay. So actually, so specifically because I meditate peaceful. in the morning. I want to meditate on that. But yeah, and I remember she told me you could change that right now today. And I was like, oh, no, this is how I was brought up. And, and, and you know, this is like how I'm, you know, saw my mm-hmm. mom do it. No. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's easier to be validated with our angry thoughts yeah. and our, our just is we're justifying our existence. We're validating ourselves. And yeah, I'm still My working on guru throwing it out. Use the analogy of, of a handful of rotten peanuts. You're standing in front of a buffet table and you've got this handful of rotten peanuts. And it's like, if you just drop the peanuts, you can take all this buffet. Oh, like, no, that's a perfect. I want my peanuts. But perfect. Yeah. I know my peanuts. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that. This. Do we not get uh, addicted to our emotions? We like do. if well, oh, we do. you go back to what the bleep do we know? I think is dealt with the whole peptides things. That 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 your your brain is the the hypothalamus is the most complex drugstore on the planet. Yeah. And, we, and we get addicted to associating with certain things. We do. I have a story about that is too long for this, but I, I do want to share. Well, it is. <laughs> we're only laughing because if Matt says it's too long you for know this, we're like, long. this is like, could you, be you really can, long. You can fix it in post. <laughs> I, yeah, you fix it in post. I just want to tell a little story real quick about my sister because I think some people can relate. <laughs> well, okay. No, 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 no. It's funny. That's set up. We're just laughing. Yeah, now, I, the, now that Ryan does want to know the story. I think they can relate. I mean, you guys are siblings and I have a sister who's 10 years older than me and I've always looked up to her and I think a lot of people can relate to that. If you're, you have a brother or sister older, you, you, I don't know, you just look up to them. Meh. And, uh, well, anyway, I wanted to spend time with my sister. So I, I got us a trip to, uh, Sicily and we did, and we get back and I put some pictures up on Facebook of me and my sister hanging out. And, you know, she gives me a call, phone call. She goes, Hey, would you mind taking those Thank pictures you. down? Get, get them off of social media. The ones with her in it. And, and I, I immediately felt, uh, well, I felt stupid because I felt like I did something wrong without asking. It, you know, it never occurred to me to say, hey, can I put the picture of us eating pizza up on Facebook? But uh, she wanted it down, you know? So, man, immediately, boom, I go and delete it. And, of course, then all the pictures from my Sicily trip are me sitting at the beach, <laughs> you know? And, and it looks weird. And, and it, it was a bummer. And then I go back on and I see where her husband has put up pictures with her. And that's fine all over Facebook, but picture with me wasn't. And, you know, if she was sitting here right now, she would explain, oh, well, no, you know, what I meant was this or, or you know, whatever it was. I don't know. It d- doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There was this weird victim feeling that I had, like, oh, man, 
doesn't want to be seen with me, but it's okay to be with her husband, but I'm her loser brother, right? And she's my big sister, so I'm always looking up to her. And so mentally, I'm always battling that, well, I'm never going to measure up to her. And then one day, I was sitting there thinking about it, and I go, this is icky. This is this is gross. It's it's this weird, nasty little comfort of a victim sitting there saying, "Woe is me. Feel pity on me. I'm gonna tell this sob story." And people go, "Oh, poor Matt." And while there's a well, you probably you, you I'm know. laughing because it's just a picture on social media. But keep going. Well, yeah, well, whatever. It's what but I felt. You're, you're I'm talking like, about yeah, it. And people can sensitive. relate to this That's because good. people have brothers and sisters, so uh, or parents that they're trying to impress, whatever. And but I let it go, and it felt so good. It's like, I know that my sister loves me. I know she does. And she had her reasons for whatever they were that they, they didn't want that on Facebook. And guess what? It, it doesn't matter. And the moment I let that go, I'm able to progress and move on. So, and if I ever want to know the next chapter, you got to be able to do that. Isn't that just the ego that gets upset? Absolutely the ego, but it feels good. It feels good. There's something about it, being that underdog. Oh, what was me? You know, if I just had a woman to get in shape for, all this crap that I hear all the time from victim speech, but you hear it year after year after year. And if you ever want to turn the page in your life, you have to get out of that comfort zone. Well, if I had to be your counselor, it's always like what I would do every time. You would take a situation that's a perfect example, and you would write everything down on one side about why that upset you, what, what about her, whatever the situation upsets you. My handwriting sucks. The other side, other side of the line is 100% has, and then now you throw the situation out the door, and it's all these like not being seen, not being heard, not being loved enough. Those are, I mean, I'm trying to kind of, yeah, I think everything you were saying is basically like, um, yeah, love, seen, heard. So that's, and then that will come up in many other facets of your life over and over again. That's the work you need to do. So it never had, it, Perfect example, like how therapy works. I, I'd go in there. You know, anybody can go in with any situation, and the hardest part is when they're they're like, okay, so let's take this person, like a, another person that stole money from me or something. You mentioned that. Let's take him out of the equation now, Beth. And I'm like, no, wait, but let me tell yeah, you more about this go. guy. Let and go. No, it has nothing Doesn't to do with matter. the guy. It's that I per- actually attracted this into my life. You attracted that situation in my life. Now use it and, like a slingshot. And back to what we're talking about, law of attraction. A rule of thumb is always, well, at least my personal beliefs, is there is no uh, um, assertion in life. There is only attraction. And people don't like hearing that because you can name a lot of different atrocities. And that goes into a much higher ph- philosophical top in spirituality. But And thank God for all your no, failures. There is no assertion. There is only attraction. Yeah. For everything. It, yeah, and thank God Good for your bad. failures and your tests and the times where you catch yourself being jealous, when you catch yourself uh, being victim, icky, because if you catch yourself being there, that's the opportunity to grow yeah. and move to the next thing. Well, I need to make a decision, right? It's funny because you've been talking about that. You mentioned it today, and I've been thinking about it all day because fairly recently someone got over on me a very small amount. They just I, I got taken advantage of for a couple hundred bucks. Mm. In the little skin, but yeah, nothing compared. I mean, what you're talking, I know well, what you're for as little as I pay, that's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. Uh, thanks for throwing me completely off. Now, no, all right, I'm with you, Rex. I'm all upset right. if you lose a hundred bucks. No, but the, but the fact of the matter is, though, I've I, I, I found out information about the person and I've got certain little plots for nothing. I'll never get the money back, isn't that? But I, I, I have vengeance mm. planned and in my mind. Oh, that's and fun to do. Exactly, <laughs> but but here's the thing, and I and from what from what Matt is saying, I know damn well that because of this thought, I'm just 
it's a, it, I'm stifling myself. But so here's my test. And you're also feeding. I mean, yeah, we're doing that repetitive cycle. Yeah. Do I just and, and again, it's not about the money. I'll, I will survive right. even, even with what you pay because I also I also know where you keep a lot of stuff that I can sell. So <laughs> I, I it's it's you can have it. Thanks. Uh, but it's not about the money. It's about it's it's got one over on Being me, right. you know. Yeah. And, and it's like and it's like it doesn't matter. But I, I got to let go of that. So and, hard. And, and, and until and it, it is hard. And Actually, that's what I'm talking really about. So now I'm, you could yes. tell your tell that person thank you for showing me this side of myself. And I know what I need to work on now. It sounds like with this one, you want to be right. Like that's usually mm -hmm. mine, being right, being heard, being just, being seen. Sure. So, yeah. So I, one of my per person that hurt me probably the most or significantly in my, my professional career, my therapist always is like, you have, you just, and I told her one day I had a dream about him. I hugged him. And she goes, that's because you came here to earth. And she's like, Y'all planned this, and he, you have more to thank him for than anybody else in your life because you have these significant life lessons like with thanks him. Thanks for fulfilling your role. Yeah, basically. Mm. It has nothing, you know, yeah. It's like, so we're supposed to thank the people that are hurting us because it's only showing us what we need to work on ourselves. We never, somebody else's stuff is none it's of true. our business. It's, it's not about them. Isn't the common thread in all of these stories is that we're, we're caring what other people think of us? Mm. Or we're caring and we're attracting how we're perceived. It. And, they're, and but, we're also attracting them to treat us that way. Is we're not, getting what we think about. Is well, it, I don't it, care what he thinks of me. No, you I just I care about, about I it. care about my, it's again, so you go back to ego. It's like, it's like there's part of me that's like, well, you know, here, all, all life's questions are answered in the movies. Go back to Seabiscuit, if you remember that movie at all, mm -hmm. when Red Pollard is about to win the race, but the guy fouls him. And he totally forgets about the race, and he's like trying to run the guy into the rails, mm -hmm. and he loses the race. Right. And 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 when when, his, when the owner and, and the trainer are like, "Why did you do that?" He goes, "He fouled me." He's like, "What am I supposed to do? Let him get away with it?" And he says, "Yeah, when yeah. he's forty to one, yeah, you are." <laughs> he's like, "But he fouled me." Who and cares? He, he can't get past. And, and they're all looking at him, going, "What? What is that?" But so, it, it had nothing to yeah. do with it. it. It's his own angst, his own self-worth. Maybe self -worth, it's either childhood it drama or past life drama of to. someone not being there to say, "I see you. I see you hurt. Mm -hmm. I see. Oh, let me." Yeah, Russell, I don't give a hoot what some people think of me, especially like one of these people was like an animator I hired, took some money of mine. I remember I was like, no, but like I wrote it in the email and I was very specific and, and I never got this. I don't care what that guy thinks of me, but yet there's some small part of my inner child or past life that's like wasn't coddled enough and didn't hear the like, I hear you, Beth. Aww. You're you, allowing, you are right, Beth. No. You're, yeah, you're being validated, You're allowing Beth. that negative vibration in and it's, there's a part of you that resonates with it Yes, you haven't stamped it I out drink, yet. exactly. I haven't, and so now that we're into the psychology of all of this, I'll tell you the work that she had me do. It sounds so silly, but I've tried it now in different things in life. Is uh, I would sit in quiet and I would talk to my like younger Beth, young, but I really would try to give time. And this sounds hokey, but create a space for my body. Going, okay, body, I'm going to sit with you in this feeling of like angst and anger and not being heard and not being validated and literally just say, you don't have to go. And you're not trying to push it out of your body. You're literally making space for it. You're just sitting there breathing. And until you've done enough, like people, I don't know, 50, 50 less have done work with healers on just sitting with your body. It actually does work. Like, okay, I know I'll talk. Like, I know it's, I'm just sitting with my body and I'll think about my body parts and I'll breathe in and out and I'll say, you're heard, you're seen, it's okay to feel this way. And if you could actually, it's kind of odd, but muster up those feelings of pain or hurt or whatever it is and allow it to exist, that's kind of the idea of it. Allow it to exist. It then leaves when, it, because it's been acknowledged. That's why yeah. all Let the, it go, let it flow. 
Yeah. It's coming through. Oh, no, that's it. That's it. It's just sitting, holding the space for it. And then the more I kind of like just met your friend Matt and other people, I realized there is something to be said about holding space and allowing it to exist in your body, like your leg, your stomach. And she had, my therapist would have me go through my whole body mm-hmm. and, and just uh, like uh, address it. Like, hey, there's my calf. I'm feeling would she, it. Would she touch here's, you? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm asking because I've seen. What do you want, dirty no, pictures? No, she was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, anything. she knew all kinds of Look, stuff. I've I mean, seen she's brilliant, and I didn't pay her for this either. She was doing this out of the kindness of her heart. She coached uh, w- young women. So, if you want to see what I'm talking about um, on Netflix, there's um, it's called Heal, I believe. But she's literally like tapping their forehead as she's uh, having her say things, and I was like, is she doing that to distract her? So she's, I, don't know, I mean, there could be a lot of, yeah, they yeah do but all if kinds you watch it, it's, it's really weird, but it wasn't just her forehead. She would tap different parts of her body. Like yeah. it was weird. That's why I asked her that. So yeah, was what just, was she doing? Healing them? As she Same was, thing. she was walking her, she was walking her through childhood trauma. What? Yeah. What's your friend's name? Yeah. The Christelle. Christelle yeah. does this. I'm like, all four of us phenomenal. have had Christelle and all four of us can vouch for her. Which I manifested her, by the way. She well, that, was magical when she found my grandmother. Mm-hmm. That was different. <laughs> No, no, seriously. What no, she does is more. Body work did you, did you, oh, you I yourself? did a okay. yeah. What she does is different in that it's not so, so much psychological, whereas like uh, what I'm talking about is she's walking her through her childhood trauma as she's like tapping different parts of her. I see. I and, see. Uh, it's more psychological. Well, Christelle, Christelle does, finds uh, it. She, she finds lays it. her hands on like on my stomach and moves it. And she's like, oh, there it is, you know. And man, I felt drunk when I woke up from that. Mm-hmm. He's got the chi. Yeah, she's no. good. She, the fact that she could find where did she find your areas. grandma at? It was like in the stomach or whatever. In the but, stomach, but I had talked no, about the body. But, but I had talked about it, and 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 she said, "No, I can't find your grandmother." Then she was like, "Oh, she's all nice." She's, oh my gosh! And she took care of you. I'm like, she like she was like she, like like yeah. After my mother died, my grandmother did. She was like, oh, and she could see, and she said it was like a black spear that went from my grandmother to me into my stomach. It was like very visual, but she was mm. phenomenal. But one thing I wanted to mention because I thought about it. Um, you said, you know, probably don't remember, but there was one point, I don't know what inspired it, but you said to me, and it wasn't that long ago, you go, you said, man, someone really hurt you at some point, didn't they? Mm. And I don't remember what brought it up, but yet I remember it was like what you talked about, Beth. It was that there was something that was acknowledged. There was like this, and it's like, it's almost like, it's like you, it's like, he found me. It's yeah. like, it's like, what are you really mad at? It's not, it has nothing to do with a guy on the horse. Right. And it, and it turns out in Seabiscus, it was his parents abandoning him during the depression. And, and, yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's something about when you just want people to know you're hurt. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, and once they just acknowledge it, just, it's kind of a relief. It is. But what is, but so what is it when, let's say you're really upset about something like a really big deal and you feel so angry and then someone comes in and says, like, oh, hey, guess what? We found out that's not even true. But, like, the anger doesn't go away immediately. Uh-huh. You're, like, you're, like, still angry. But you're, like, but there's, still. But there's, but there's chemicals to that, too, isn't yeah. it? I, 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 mean, I, don't, I don't relate to that. I, I, and I, I, your I'm anger not, I'm dissipates. not trying to sound like a douche, but I, no, I don't. It, it, if I'm angry about something and they go and I find out that it was completely gone, I feel like a wave of relief here's a perfect example of what russell's talking about though so there's a yogi or just someone that's aspiring yogi sitting on a boat meditating and he's really made some progress and then all of a sudden some assholes oh man i cussed dang it i'm trying to trying to be better about that some (laughs) buttholes some awful person's boat just rams right into his boat while he's meditating he gets so angry and then he opens his eyes, and it, it was um, a wind blown, a, like a stray boat into his boat. Like, no mm-hmm. one's on it. 
but the anger was, so the moral of the story is he was at peace in meditation, yet the anger still was inside him and was turned on that easy. Like getting robbed. So, I got so mad. while yeah. you think you may not be angry in that situation, most of us all, all of us humans still have it, but that's the type of stuff we need to aspire to, which is like not to have the knee jerk reaction of anger and everything. I mean, it takes a lot of practice, but I'm just thinking about I'm when you said that about us waiting up till four in the morning oh, armed gosh. to the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for them to okay. come back. Anyway. I'm actually really proud of us. We did a lot of uh, talk on Yogi stuff and we'll continue it on each podcast, but we have two other subjects we want to cover today. Should we jump into them? Or is there any other last thoughts? Cause I know what it's like to have something good you want to contribute. Well, you know, there's a lot of political stuff going on right now. And I thought I would take this time to congratulate Joe Biden on being the first president ever in all of U.S. history to take direct issue with America's obesity problem. And America, if you guys don't know, so America's one of the fattest, sickest countries in the world, and he's going out of his way to orchestrate a caloric oh. deficit for all <laughs> of Caloric deficit. <laughs> Food shortage. You bastards ain't going to eat. He's your brother, and I already know his sarcasm yeah, better I just, than you well, do. I just put it two and two together that he's referring oh, he's to gonna the, the food shortage. He's going to starve y'all off Exactly. Ah. I'm good. Thank it, you. Look. The, the Biden weight loss program. Look, abs. Look, it's, oh, sorry, it's scientifically proven that good. if you have a caloric oh, no. deficit, it can be that can be used good. to lose weight. So when you so abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym. That's if right. You didn't know. <laughs> so so diet is mostly you know ha, has is mostly to do with obesity, and you know for people that choose to go in a caloric deficit, they usually have success in losing weight. Well, we can't you know how do you get the public to do that? Well, Joe Biden, he's a genius. He's playing like. 3D chess. He's like orchestrate a food shortage, and we're gonna slim our cult, our country down. Like Actually, that's gonna segue us perfectly into our next in topic. Um, you are right, Russell. We weren't ever gonna have the discipline that Matt spoke about on episode yeah, three. I mean, one, two, and three. You guys. So, yeah. Okay. So on that note, that's actually a perfect hey, segue. Oh, he also like a 3D this all chess stemmed game. from his group. We have a group message. This all stemmed from you saying something about. Oh, you were talking this, about food is, shortage. And I said oh, I've been wanting to work on my yeah. abs. This all yeah. this whole idea. That's that's where it comes from. <laughs> yeah, it's all Matt's idea. Yeah, we spoke a little bit about food shortage on episode three. Go check it out. I did. Edit quite a bit of it out of there. All right. So speaking of the 3D, um, you know, chess game that Joe Biden's playing, we're going to play something from Robert Kiyosaki. He's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it really has to do with what's happening right now um, for us everyday people regarding just inflation and the realist uh, buying homes and selling homes. Take a listen. It's only a few minutes long. And then I'm going to pose Russell a question. I think it's going to be really thought provoking in regards to just what the heck's happening right now financially for the United States. I bought a house. I'm going to make some money. I said, at the top of the frickin' market? Don't listen to your stupid real estate agent who tells you that, oh, the price of real estate always goes up because it doesn't. When I hear people coming up to me, oh, the price of real estate going up and they're jumping in to buy real estate right now, I don't say anything. And the reason is, is that people are just getting into the hype. All this credit, it's actually debt, credit and debt pumping into this economy trying to prevent this crash. And if inflation keeps going, I get richer. I am extremely happy. And I think Biden, I'm not Republican or Democrat, he intentionally wants inflation. That's why he shut down the XL pipeline. That's why he stopped drilling to get oil prices up. When oil prices go up, you know, all these truckers in Ottawa screaming, they can't get food to the table and all this, prices of food go up. 
inflation keeps going up regardless of what's going on just because the policies of the Biden administration shutting down the XL pipeline, stopping drilling of oil, so the price of oil goes up. I watch all this, and meanwhile, these people are jumping out and buying real estate like there's no tomorrow, and I can't even talk to them. We're on a turning point. But please understand, ladies and gentlemen, inflation makes the rich extremely rich. The middle class will pay higher taxes, and the poor will get poor because they're the ones who can't afford that $25 Wagyu steak that my friends are selling. So that's why it's one of the biggest critical turning points, and that's why I don't know how many years ago when I walked past Rich's book and Borders, and it's uh, the dollar crisis. If you understand what's going on, the problem is the U.S. dollar. Because in 1944, it stopped being money. It just became the reserve currency of the world. And in 71, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard. We're being set up right now. One of the biggest changes in world history. And so, oh, I bought a property. What do you think? I, go, I can't even talk to him because this to me is 2007 all over again. And then the repo market collapsed. 2008, the market collapsed. And back in 2008, this guy named Bernanke, I believe it was, could print money. And this is where we are today. You've got to wake up, ladies and gentlemen, because otherwise you're just this stupid little hog just driving to slaughter. So America is one of the, we're at, not just America, we're one of the biggest turning points in world history. And like, there was Rockefeller, one of those guys said is, when shoeshine boys are giving you stock tips, time to get out. And I was in Safeway the other night and these people were coming up to me, I did what you said, I did what you said, I bought a rental property, I bought a rental property. And I came back home and I said to Kim, time to sell. It is so dangerous, but you can't talk somebody out of it because they drank the Kool-Aid. So that's why I'm really honored to have a dear friend, Richard Duncan, been friends for years. He helped Kim and I time the last turn back in 2008. We made fortunes because while everybody was selling, we were buying. And that time has come again. And so that's why please listen to what Richard Duncan has to say. A few months ago. Okay, so that's the first three minutes of the crash will be worse. Then 2008, Robert Kiyosaki on the uh, free investing it, channel. Russell, what made me, oh, I guess go ahead. It, it's so tacky to me when he talks about, um, or when anyone that's in the hard money camp talks about, uh, what, you know, it's time to sell and such and such. Well, that just implies you're getting back into the fiat currency. Well, you got to do something else. Like it's a hot potato. Like, oh, you should sell your real estate. What, for dollars? and. You got to do something else, right? You can't just keep the dollars. So, so I, I, he, I don't know. I just hate no, it. That's, that's, that's right? a really good critical point. He, because he, uh, he, the, he, he's old. He's, he's old. Yeah, he's so that dude fought in the Vietnam War. I don't know how old he is, but you got to be pretty up there to, uh, to do that. But he, he's uh, a proponent of Bitcoin. Yeah. He, yeah. He's got some. Yeah. Okay. So for the common folk, I mean, I heard that and actually I don't know the answer to that. So uh, the let's try to, to unpack. Let's try to unpack. When we have inflation, the rich get richer. Because he is saying that this inflation we're having right now is by design. Like the way oh, he worded it or design. it was edited, he said when it was by design that Joe Biden cut us off of the Keystone Pipeline, like he made his case that this inflation is by design so the rich can get richer. How does that happen? I have how does a, that can even I go work? first on that? Sure. And because, I mean, I'm, I know you got an answer. I don't, I, I kind of, I don't know how much I even agree with it entire, like all of it. So, but yeah, well, I, I, 
I kind of do because uh, I heard this from my in-laws, um, man, almost a year ago. He would buy these cheap houses, and he has a lot of cheap houses. And he said, uh, he said, I noticed when I first used to go buy these cheap houses, it would be me and one other guy get at the tax sale. He said, now they hold it at a stadium. There's so many people. He said, the herd has figured it out. He said, it's time to shift. The herd's never right. The herd runs off a cliff every time. So he sees the meh going off the ship. He's always turning angle. And so I said, well, this is really good news. Start building your war chest because don't, don't get ready for the next play. Get ready for the play after that, which would be interest rates are going up. Uh, all other expenses are going up. My pay isn't going up. I can't make these payments. I'm being foreclosed on. I'm selling out. And now this thing starts tumbling, and people who have a war chest are sitting there just waiting like crocodiles at a water hole. Bye, bye. They're gobbling it up. But their dollars, in, regarding inflation, though, their dollar, too, is inflated. Uh, but it's not. Look, look what's happening with silver. My dollar buys more silver now than it did well, months ago. Well, that's just silver is a commodity. Okay, but let's though, look at the houses. The, but the, they're saying the house prices are going to drop because people are going to be foreclosed on. There's going to be a flood of these things on the market. And people aren't going to be buying it because they don't have money because inflation has stolen their money. House prices will drop in value. I, I, um, I'm not sure they will drop in nominal terms, meaning the price tag in dollars, I'm not sure they'll drop in that. What happens when there's a bunch on the market and nobody's buying? They all um, get foreclosed. You have these whole subdivisions back in 2008 that were sitting there and the people all foreclosed yeah. on. They're just, like, sitting there. Yeah, so... A deflationary event like that that you're talking about, I don't think that the Fed, the, I don't think the federal, everything, a, a, a guy, so Jerome Powell gets on stage and says a few things and it controls the whole financial world, right? So, Well, some things, some things the value is high, some things it's low. Ammunition fluctuates, goes up and down politically. Mostly okay. houses, if there's a huge market, a uh, supply so of them. So if what Matt is saying, if inflation gets people rich because the common folk dollar doesn't go as far, and so the, the wealthy beast that has the dollar stack still go in and buy everything, okay. I kind of get it. Like the rich buy in a down market. That's but, why he didn't say the, the poor get rich. He said the rich get richer. I think, But I think where he was going with that. Yeah, where is he going with that? Okay, so he's always debt. He wants you to get debt. But and to get good debt, look, so I like cash flow debt levered real estate. That's part of my largest chunk of net worth is in that. And the reason I say it in those terms is because the debt levered part means that I have a short position on the dollar, meaning I actually have like the interest rate, the inflation rate is higher than the interest rate I'm making. So I'm actually making money on the, on debt. the debt. So yeah. the debt actually has a positive. So on the rental properties that myself and others own, like the bigger asset to that, you could argue, is the actual mortgage and not the rental property itself. Yeah. Robert Kiyosaki has taught this. Um, and the term, so the term that... Uh, is used for that return of income is inflation-induced debt destruction. Meaning that in can if I got a loan today, can you imagine how cheap the dollar's going to be that I'm paying the last right. loan off in 30 years? It's yeah, nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. Talk to anyone that's had them that's paid off their whole mortgage and it's like a couple hundred bucks and it's like a really expensive house, you know, uh, our, our uncle in San Antonio. 
uh, has lived in the same house that he bought over more than 30 years ago and he paid it off and it was like now it's worth a ton of money but his note payment was like a few hundred bucks right. yeah, so like was our parents joke. I remember it yeah was... so that's inflation induced debt destruction and we had that a past few years that's why people were screaming Dan Pena was one get the money now it's cheap it's cheap money and if you could get it locked in yeah exactly because the money you know my goods and services I'm going up with those prices but I'm still stuck at that low note. Oh, it's amazing okay. to have debt. So over, there's, yeah, when I it's mean, going this direction, the, putting the debts on the tiny houses and stuff. It's much yeah. better to so, be in debt and infl- inflation. I did know that rule. We have them. Um, we in 2008 we had a financial crisis and we papered over it and we started. We checked into a monetary roach motel by starting doing quantitative easing. We talked about that uh, in previous what, in previous episodes. Yes, and so now that we've got the financial markets addicted to quantitative easing like i don't think in you know the keynesian argument is you can um you can have that and then wean yourself off of it and go back to normal but the austrian argument is you can't and i don't think we ever can and so when you're saying yeah we're gonna have rising interest rates and people don't buy a house based on the price of the house they buy based on their monthly payment and so when interest rates go up, their the payment, the how much house they can buy shrinks. Smaller. And so you're right. If that happens, and if we have austerity and we have honesty, um, and we default on debt and we raise interest rates and we do the right thing, I think you're right. We're going to have a massive uh, a crash in 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 housing. But I don't think we're I don't think we're going to do that. I think that uh, what happens when people can't pay their bills though? I think that the Fed is going to cry uncle, and I think the the stimmy checks, I think we'll get I think we're gonna have stimmy checks. Wow, you made then, a joke on the last up. podcast. I didn't realize you were being serious. So the, this is part of the Jerome Powell's trying to slide in between a very small space to balance. Is that you so, really think we might go back to stimmy checks if um, shit hits the fan? So the the Federal Reserve wants to control both employment and inflation. So the there so if we started to go into it's called stagflation when you have a depression and high inflation. And the, the an old school Keynesian book of economics says it's not actually doesn't exist. Well, it, it clearly does. But um, so if we start to get a stock market crash, it's the stock market's down. We're I can't remember uh, what's today uh, Thursday. Well, last week Friday we closed like just shy of twenty percent down off the highs, which would have defined us as a bear market. So um, we'll see how it goes this week. But the stock market's down. How much more pain can we take in the stock market before the Fed's going to be like, all right, we're going to go back to printing money? I don't think very much. <laughs> I don't, I don't, because everybody's retirement is in the stock market. The, all of the entire public, like the default thing you do when you get a job is save money 401k and then they, they put it in 401k jail where you can't get it until you quit. And, uh, and they, what do they do with it? They put it in the stock market. So everyone's, the entire, American public's invested in the stock market. We can only take so much pain before they're going to crank up the printing press. Let's not forget that, uh, what are we, $30 trillion in debt? Like the U.S. government, mm-hmm. are they going to default? Like the, the U.S. government won't be able to pay its interest rate on its bills. Mm. So we can't, like the the, the default defaulting is the honest way to go about it, the debt that we can't afford to pay. Most of the time, they choose default Just by more money. By default by inflation, it's the dishonest way to default because you're still paying your debts. You're just doing it with cheaper money, and you're yeah. robbing from the public to print. You know, so I think 
Um, whether we have a really big deflation before we have really big inflation, I don't know. But um, it's I don't so I, I'm curious what what they went on to say is they went into quantitative quantitative easing. They mentioned the 401ks. But I do when you said oh, so you've he's actually a, listened to that uh, well, whole thing. Yeah, there's just oh, um, so she I has think, all the answers. Uh, there's just <laughs> the seven homework. minutes left because he inter- basically he built it up to introduce the guy that's going to yeah. talk about it. But they went into quantitative easing. They discussed the 401ks and this. But I believe he also said because you right away you're like, well, Robert Kowalski, he's a, f- a friend of debt. He actually made the point though. I think it was him that was like, you know, we're we're a society of capitalism, and that's incorrect. Actually, it's deadism but since people don't like saying deadism it's creditism and we stopped producing as a as a country and became consumers of consumer creditors basically like we basically consume on debt or consume on with credit so we're no longer producing goods we're just consuming with credit all of this is really interesting because we're we're poking in the dark and and i don't I don't, I'm not on your level, man. I don't have the insights you have. Uh, I can follow you a little bit, but what I've learned from the past three years is nothing makes any sense that it made in my grandfather's time or my dad's time or even the first half of my life. Uh, Things are occurring at a rapid rate now. Um, The best thing you can do is watch this at a moment's notice, be ready to pounce on opportunity because in a state of confusion, somebody who knows what they want stands a good chance of getting it. That's from the movie uh, Duck You Sucker. Quentin Tarantino, uh, Tarantino was uh, inspired by that. But anyway, it, that that's true. If you if you're ready to go, you have some value, whether it's silver, gold, money, Bitcoin, whatever it is. Wait for those opportunities because well, we're in uncertain times. It's crazy. Well, he he kind of contradicts himself because what he's saying is they're using inflation to get richer, right? But yeah, he's saying, yeah. but at the same time, he's making okay. There's a lot of things I didn't like about what he said. One of which was. He's just referring to the real estate market. Well, anybody knows or anybody in real estate has heard the three most important things in real estate are location, location, and location. So, yeah, I mean, if you go buy a bubble market, and I don't know what LA's doing or New York, or if you go buy these uh, markets that are in bubbles, yeah, I mean, a terrible property, it's you're buying the top, you probably are going to get crushed. But there's more linear markets. Texas has better markets that don't, they don't rise as fast. They don't fall as hard. So... So I don't like. He the, made the point that your tenants won't be able to pay the rent. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, actually, on that note, I know what I would think on that, which I don't think a lot of people are aware. But as landlords, just for an example, in the state of California, a moratorium on eviction. The moratorium on eviction was pushed into like I think until next. Like if you wanted to evict somebody right now, you wouldn't, and they basically refused to leave. You wouldn't get to go to court with them until next year or either like eighteen months from now. So landlords in blue states that have very friendly laws for tenants can wait up to a year or two to even get the courtroom to hear your case. Now you're literally in court trying to get someone out that doesn't want to pay. And I know we laugh, but you know I used to live 10 years in Los Angeles. One of my best friends is a 77-year-old elderly woman, and she's she's doing this right now. Like She's refusing to leave and waiting for them to pay her off and stuff. And I told her, like, but someone that owns the asset, what is it like to own something and you pay for it? And then you're like, hey, for whatever reason, you want your property back, you can't have access. So in more Republican states, like in the state of Texas and many others, you have the right to actually, you know, do the normal process. Like, hi, you have 30 or 60, 90 days to leave. And then 
Thankfully, Russell, am I correct? If they don't leave on the day they're actually supposed to, the sheriff will then assist you to remove them from the property. Am I correct? In what in which state? In Texas. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you can now, get the sheriff. So there that's the difference quick. of buying your real estate and making sure you're buying in the in guess, the right location. Right yeah. Location. What so, happens if you if you know you you can't get any rent money? You lose your house. I bet the government will come in and evict them. <laughs> okay. The, the, why government just going to let people just so in chill Calif- in the house? Yeah, in California, they let people chill. They're okay. not paying. They're chilling. What about the person that owns the house loses it? I, I, I'm yeah, not getting no, rent like, money. I can't yeah. make payment. That's, I don't have the house. That's literally how... Ha- I mean, that's happened to so many landlords across the world, and it just depends on the state's legislation. Okay, well... But the government doesn't come take your house. They're in defaulting to the mortgage company. Okay. And and they're just doing the same banking disaster they and, did in 2008. they can't do anything. No, they can't. Here, here, I used to modify... Um, mortgages that were in default. So here, here's another thing I didn't like about what he said is he's talking about inflation and the rich using inflation get richer. What is real estate? It's a packaged commodity. It's got all of the commodities, copper, lumber, it's all built into the house. And then it also has labor. So it's, it's like a great package of an inflation basket, you know, that you could just, and if you, if, if you paid cash, then you remove the risk of getting foreclosed on if your tenants don't pay rent. And it's only going to be a brief period of time if it's where, like, let's say you're debt levered. I think it's going to be a brief period of time where, nominally speaking, like with inflation, you're, um, everything's going to go up. And, and even though people's salaries will lag, it'll only be a brief period of time where you can get a tenant that'll actually be able to make the note payment. Even it, So if you have hard money to bridge the gap i think you'll be able to get through that but let's say you're buying in a good location that doesn't have a cyclical market you're still bought you still have so now you remove the risk of default and what could be a better inflation hedge he's he's saying inflation what could be a better inflation hedge than a packaged commodity with an element of labor it sounds you know so that's a lot of i think he's i think he contradicts himself a lot i think the person that probably edited that together is just trying to get people to watch their youtube show it worked for me i was like this is so great this is epic i've got to play this little podcast but now that we're breaking it down i'm like you're right so there's there's just a whole lot of fluff so i i listen to a lot of rich dad and music in the background boom boom he he does this thing where he always blames the rich people. It's like no matter what, it's the rich people's fault. Robert, so this is like the this one. Guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Kiyosaki. He's the the rich dad, poor dad is the is the book he wrote. He's trying know. to help you become a rich person. Yeah, yeah, but he always like yeah. It's just like the rich people's fault. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a thing he does. I think he's saying that the rich people know how to play the game. Yeah, but he, I, I always thought that he said the game was debt. Like Donald Trump's a great example. Like the guys. You know, he made all his wealth in debt, but you know, as long as you're buying assets, things that make more money, or you, the the trick is to have really good debt, really low interest rates. So yeah. the only responsibly financially responsible thing I've ever done is that I don't have any debt, and now you're telling me that that's wrong. <laughs> that's what rich people use, yeah. yeah. But see, the difference other people's is money to get rich. I guess a, that's what explains so why I am where I am. Do you know who um, <laughs> Dave Ramsey? Uh, like pay off all your Such debt, cut up your buzz kill. Yeah, yeah, so he, I know Dave Ramsey. So Dave Ramsey. So most people like that's not sexy. He's not, he's so like so opposite of law of attraction. It's <laughs> just kidding. I mean, he's so practical. Most people like really struggle with debt, credit card debt in general. So it's really good to be to do what you do and pay it off. But if you can use the judo move 
of debt in your favor, you can you can use it to to create a lot of wealth. And the judo move debt is buying, buying an excavator assets. that allows you yes. to do more work and get more money, and then buying another piece of a machinery that allows you to break into a new market and make more. If if you're buying things that expand your horizon and bring you more money, you keep playing that game and that it goes really high. But if you're buying jet skis and Hummers and tanks that Dirt maybe you can't afford and derping with them, well, then you go down. Yeah. If you're buying them with debt, let's let's say let's just assume that you can rent out um, a rental property and it pays the mortgage and for thirty years. Which I mean, there's it's people have done it. There's no reason to think you couldn't do it. Who actually paid the interest on that debt? The renter. It, yeah, exactly. Your tenant. Yeah, it is actually. I do like real estate because I feel like it's something that's ground for most your average Joe to buy their way into wealth. I mean, there's plenty of lots of stories where that's how people became millionaires. I don't know. So a lot of cautious people might think that, and maybe it sounded like what they were trying to say is that we do have big inflation. And Thomas Jefferson may have said this as well in that quote that I read by inflation and then deflation, you wake up homeless. So they can have like uh, the Federal Reserve can jack up interest rates and just make things really painful. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to go and foreclose. It's a window of opportunity. Everyone forecloses and then they kick on. And it's not until the banks own all the property. It's a double punch. Okay, so into what you were saying, the banks could take all the property this way by jacking up interest rates, creating a depression, everyone defaults and then they own all the property, and then they can go back to printing money. But here's the thing. I don't know, can they really do that when you have so many people take to the streets? Like, it feels like mob rule, like if they screw too many people. Because, like, right now when they just do, like, a, you know, Wells Fargo does, like, one little thing, and then it's all this big deal. Someone files a lawsuit, and they correct it. So I'm not, I don't know. That gets you to what what you wanted to talk about today briefly, because we still have another topic, which is, You'll own nothing and be happy to, to the to the Klaus Schwab and in, in, in Switzerland this week, which is kind of like on so par. The, if they do want to buy up real estate so we could rent it from them, then maybe the inflation is intentional. So the, the baddies are in Geneva, Switzerland, the Davos group. Yeah, Davos, and, Switzerland. And they're organizing the Great Reset and the Build Back Better, and they're orchestrating the collapse of our culture and economy so that we can build it back better we need to crash this we need everything to collapse oh so they can take the reins. you can't build something back without destroying it first yeah i wonder how and bill gates has got sarcasm again. bill gates <laughs> has got a monkeypox vaccine for you guys <laughs> maybe i shouldn't have said the v word he's got some medicine for that monkeypox hey good news uh i did hear a doctor on a radio show today say that if you have a good immune system, the monkeypox actually isn't that uh, bad at all. Isn't so, it mostly translated by sex? Yeah. Okay. That or so, prairie monkeys. dogs. I used to actually <laughs> have prairie with dogs. prairie dogs or no, by prairie dogs? You're talking about monkeypox? Because yeah. how is this going to be a... How are we going to have a lockdown it's if it spreads trans- by sex? Yeah. It's not like everyone's just going out like That's celibacy belt. Dad and I were laughing about that today. Yeah. I'm like, once I heard that, I was like... This is nothing. Then what's a, that's a lockdown's only gonna help spread it. Yeah, right. Everybody's locked in together. Well, what are we gonna do? Yeah, no, that or yeah, yeah. So um, I don't buy that. It's got to be a. I got. 
yeah, no, go walk and listen. This isn't necessarily the big one they're pushing on us. This is just another thing that's out there. Yeah. This isn't, there there's going to be something down the pike. Before that's, we jump into serious. the Texas shooting, Russell, did, who was um, arrested in Davos? Am I saying it right? James O'Keefe. I tried to look that up, but um, Project Veritas guy, um, yeah, I couldn't verify that. Um, and it wasn't, they were trying to determine if it was the actual Switzerland police that did it, or, or was it like, Klaus Schwab's personal or, security? Or, or Bill Gates. And for those that don't know, the Great Reset guy, these are the people that are not elected officials that are just i mean i guess it doesn't matter they're just people that are getting together talking about how they would like to control us which hey i guess in no way are they breaking any law and i want them to exercise their free speech but at the same time we literally know it's a bunch of rich the richest wealthiest people in the world talking about injecting things into us and you think oh beth i'm crazy well, no there's like videos of them saying okay. we want to inject things okay. into human beings and control them so the bad part is they're actually drafting documents and treaties with the UN um, to where they're, they're like have legitimate governmental power. And these are just literally rich people that were not elected to nothing. And yet there'll be this whole slew of minions that are going to say, that's what we need. And well, it's even some worse unelected is- people, some group like that. No, like they choose how much access the public gets to this Davos group. It sounds, it's also it's- bad that no news are the only news outlet that I saw covering it is Rebel News. Without them, I wouldn't even know they're meeting. Who's Rebel News? I watch them on Instagram. I think they're, they're at Australia. Covering it. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, Rebel News, they're great. Yeah. Yeah, he's there. and uh, but, but without him, Until he gets I wouldn't arrested. even know that it's it's happening. And so that's really sad that we aren't covering it. But it's okay. You know, we got our tinfoil hats on at this table, guys. Give it six months or two years and then, you know. Y'all know. It won't be tinfoil then. <laughs> That's what's crazy about the last three years. Stuff that you okay. thought was so bizarre is happening. Okay. You could get a cough or cold through sexual contact. Oh, I'm just trying to disbunk your... The, sorry, guys. Re- no, it's... Yeah, no, it's... That's called a queef, not a cough. Oh, nice. All right, so should I jump us into, obviously, what's... I want to talk about this week <laughs> until next week because it'll be less of a harder topic to discuss the uh, Texas gun shooting. You're looking at us. We're talking to you from Texas. Um, actually, uh, grew up in Uvalde. Every summer we go there, so I'm quite familiar with, uh, you know, Uvalde. I want to talk, uh, open up a conversation about guns. Obviously, there's some gun owners in the room. I'm not well, one myself. I'd like to have a conversation that I really try to, th- no, I don't Rex on a gun. <laughs> so, I think the f- Really? I think the first thing we need to do is yeah. um, we need to talk about, because, Maybe a lot of people aren't listening or know about Texas, and they're going to assume since we're in Texas, we would know, is was this a victim disarmament zone? And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, yes, it had to be. The government creates these victim disarmament zones. The only one, the only school I've seen that was not a victim disarmament zone is in Fayetteville, Texas, and they've got a sign out front that says our teachers are armed. <laughs> going to shoot you, yeah. We don't. Okay, I don't think they're big enough to have a police department. I don't but even yeah. think people know that's an option. Okay, we're going up this hard already. Right, no, well, angle. you got to frame this the correct way because you can't create you can't create a problem with these soft targets. It's not like this guy went to some mall in Texas where people can have firearms. He went to the one place where he's, people are disarmed. So we create this vacuum of arms. By disarming all these people, and this keeps happening. It's ridiculous. I don't know squat about real estate, so you're not going to keep me out of this conversation, okay? This one I have an opinion on. Good. And it was, uh, uh, the, some, the last big one was in New York State, where I'm from. And I've always been very frustrated. I'd love to move back there, but I won't because of the laws and whatnot. 
And I thought it was interesting that, that the guy shot up a grocery store in New York State because he could do that there. If he tried that in Texas, someone would have taken him out. There would have been a concealed carry that would have taken him out. I, to your point, it was, I thought it was interesting that, all right, there is a shooting in Texas, but they went to a gun-free zone and took on children. And a gun school-free zone. So apparently exactly. Texas school, some Texas school lets you know they're strapped. Fayetteville, Texas, it's the only one I've ever seen, and they're in a unique situation where they don't have a police department. I don't know how many uh. schools are like that. And you know, Well, the fact of the matter is, like, in, in a gun-free zone, quote-unquote, and you see those in Austin with stores that say, this is a gun-free zone. I'm like, why don't you just put rob us on the front of the store? It's like the, the, gun, the law-abiding citizens are not going to be carrying guns, but a criminal doesn't care. I don't know why that's so hard for people to understand. Well, so yeah. but, but the, the people that created the problem, now I know it's not the federal government, but they're the ones proposing solutions, but just government in general created this problem. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They have a solution for us to get rid of the guns. Well, yeah. Well, the government solution is, ooh, we have an emotional topic, never let a good crisis go to waste, and so it's, versus it's, looking at this from a... The most concise way I can think of putting it is... Uh, the only thing that stops a bad person with a gun is a good person with a gun. And when you remove all of the all of the guns out of any given area, then a bad person with a gun isn't going to be stopped very easily. So that's just black saw. and white, what you just said. But yeah. I like that. That gets straight that's to the as point. Old as these school shootings are the same arguments that everybody on both sides keeps beating. And the, the sad fact of the matter is that no one is having discussion right now. They're 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 screaming from emotion. And it's really sad. Uh, I want to puke, honestly. When when I when I saw the news, I just want to throw up. It was the same thing with Sandy Hook years ago when I saw that. I, yes, I wanted I wanted to throw up. The the feeling in my stomach is I want to throw up. I'm the only person at this table with kids, but even if you didn't have kids, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to that. It's it's the most innocent part of our society meeting the grossest part and being devoured, and it make it just makes me want to throw up. And I don't. What's really sad is. It's true. Nobody's having a discussion right now. Everybody's screaming from emotion. Nobody's using logic. And they're not going to hear any logic right so, now because everybody's from yeah. emotion. So that's what I wanted to propose before Russell jumped in is I want to try to have a conversation that people haven't had already many times after the mini school shootings. Um, and, and I think we've actually we've done really good in like five minutes stated the, the biggest points that need to be made, which is a no legislation from an emotional standpoint should ever stand. No. In fact, no life decision should ever be made from an, a, an emotional state of mind. Um, Russell made the obvious that you could do all the like laws you want. Law abiding citizens will not be armed and the crooks will have them. The bad powers that be. Um, I. I actually have something to read. I don't know if I want to read it now or later. I'll read it I now, do, I, I guess. I do have solutions. Or, I mean, you asked, but... Okay. Uh, yeah, well, then what's your solutions? And then I'm going to read uh, something for us. So, Fayetteville's the solution. But I'm not saying we need to force teachers or coaches to carry, but um, I would say make it really easy to. And by that, so first just allow them, make it legal, get rid of the victim disarmament zone, just make it like as... Uh, bare minimum like a shopping mall or pub, like the regular public. So I think that a lot of teachers would view it upon, like take it upon themselves to um, either carry on the, their person or have a instant access safe somewhere where only they could access it with a code. And to make it even easier, uh, we could, I uh, think if you wanted to get the state involved with this, a state, a state solution would be to use funding to uh, for training. And Texas already has a concealed carry course you can take. That's like something that's already recognized by the government. We could just say anyone who teaches 
uh, we'll, can get that for free. And on top of that, we can even pay them their salary rate for however long that takes. Let, so me, you're let me ask you, I'm sorry, I want to ask a question. Is there a solution to the price of fuel right now? Well, how would you define solution? Lower prices? Uh, open up drilling, open up pipelines. So you're talking about you want lower prices. I'm just saying, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying the point. There's a very easy solution to lowering the price of fuel right now. Okay, yeah. They don't want to lower the price of fuel right now. You can throw out all the solutions you want to shootings. They don't want a solution to shootings. They want more shootings. This is this is where yeah, I'll bring I out, I'll bring out my foil hat thing. This is where I can finally put some history in here. 1939, the Germans captured uh, Polish people, dressed them up as German soldiers, shot them, and then put their bodies along the Polish border. And then the Germans claimed that these were German soldiers that had been murdered by Poles. The German people were infuriated. They demanded retribution. Voila, World War II. The fact of the matter is, I, don't, I can't say how or what, but we're going to see more shootings and more shootings, and they don't want them to stop because this, the, they have got to get disarmament. This is the, the, the powers that be, the people sitting in Switzerland right now, they have got to disarm the population. And we're the last real population. And mass shootings okay. are the way to do it. I don't, well, I don't think that they're this orchestrating is, this, it. I think they're letting it happen and playing on these. They're like, oh, great, a massacre. We're going to use this. Oh, we have, but I'm saying they, they, they are absolutely because, because this is getting so insane that people are going to be so outraged that yeah. there's going to be a huge outcry. And, Screaming. And, 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 and so we will finally save you. We've got, to, we've, got to get, you know, we've got to get down on this horrible NRA people. It's, it's going to, so yeah, all absolutely. of these, all these mass shooters are on SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So mm-hmm. no one addresses that. Well, should we blame kind the pharmaceutical all. companies? Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, so because like, they always, they blame the NRA. It says the NRA is not involved. It's the pharmaceutical. Every single shooter is on some kind of mood altering. And drug. it's, it's, I like how the, Russell's hard approach is basically common sense. It's, I wouldn't think. Like he hard, he went fast and hard to just arm the people because what that's saying is we're not going to solve the other problem, which is the mental illness or the you know all of the mental happiness levels well, of the the, cri- the culture rot, the crisis of tribalism. All of these things aren't going to be solved. So the only thing we can solve for in a society that's mentally ill, it's not just this one guy. Got, I well, mean, we all know there's like thousands behind him. If you people think, who are if mentally you think we Ill. can keep the guns out of schools. Uh, Consider that the government can't keep the drugs out of prison. <laughs> no, that's it. Okay. Wow, Russell, you're pure logic and genius. I'm so happy and, you're saying and that. And not only that, like, let's say, I mean, uh, Uvalde, we've been there. Um, you could probably assume at best they could have, like, a metal detector with two or three guys. So what does that really mean? Now you've got two or three guys that aren't that you can use the element of surprise to take out with. A, a bad person can use a takeout with a firearm. Now you just have, now you have access to everyone that you know is disarmed after you've passed by the three guys operating the, you know, the metal detector. So that's like, even if you try to have these really strict uh, security measures in a place like Uvalde, they just don't have the resources. Oh, you're so, that's why you're pro the teachers should be strapped or if somebody on campus could be strapped. I've always been more a fan of concealed carry than open carry. Leave the element of question. I, I yeah, like having a, a decision. Uh, an like armed society is a polite society. I want to know what what y'all's thoughts are on on opposing views, though. What about somebody that says we just need to ban all the guns? The, it, you know, we need to ten year federal <laughs> prison, and we're going to ban guns, and uh, we're just going to get rid of them, like Australia, England, okay, and Japan. Yeah. Okay, so what are your thoughts on that? Okay, can I read? I think I should read my thing then, because this is what I would like to say to all those right, go people. Ahead. 
or whatever. Okay, so this is from JP Spears, Awaken with JP on YouTube. He did a, he actually first did a gun video in 2017 or 19, and then he changed his mind, like we all should admit when we think we are wrong or when we've evolved in our thinking, and he made a different gun video. And in the end, he makes this point. Every time a government disarms their population, they always tell them they are doing this for your protection. But the government doesn't say, now, you can't protect yourself from us. We oh, Hold on, let me get my computer so I can read it over this <laughs> arm. We can either look at history and learn from it and do things better or ignore it and repeat the same patterns. Some, sometimes history teaches us that anytime a government takes away the people's guns, catastrophes follow. It is a true pattern in history. For example, consider these shocking historical facts about when a government disarms a population. In 1911, Turkey established gun control. Then from 1915 to 1917, 1.5 million Armenians unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. In 1929, the Soviet Union established gun control. And from 1923 to 1953, 20 million citizens unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. China established in 1935... Then gun control. Then from 48 to 52, 20 million political dissidents unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. Germany established gun control in 1938. Then from 1939 to 1945, a total of 13 million Jews unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. Cambodia established gun control in 1956. Then in 1975 to 1977, 1 million educated people unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. Guatemala established gun control in 1964. From 64 to 81, 100,000 Mayan Indians unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. Uganda in 1970 um, established gun control. From 71 to 1979, 300,000 Christians unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated, making for a total of 56 million people were rounded up and exterminated in the 20th century because of gun control. I think this point is relevant because it's not saying, well, that's in dark ages or in past times. This is the 20th century. Those are all governments, and those are all times that you could look at those quickly after gun control measures were made. But a, ty I, a tyrannical I, government I can moves. offer the, the devil's advocate view here. France, is anybody being rounded up and exterminated now? And Japan, is anybody Australia. being rounded up? Well, Australia is the perfect example, though. If you take Australia, China, and a lot of these, North Korea, Australia, look look at in China specifically, because now they're actually you know locking people in their homes and starving. It's starting today. to get weird. It's starting to get weird. But Australia this year, it's starting to get weird. And so weird that we don't talk. Mm -hmm. It's weirder that our cultures aren't talking about it, but we're not really getting a lot of video on it. And even weirder, Australians don't think it's weird, but we just saw what they went through with COVID. I mean, you were literally arrested and getting fined for leaving your house. Um, I mean, at nighttime, you can't even walk. I mean, who yeah. wants to live but, in a society but, where you can't walk in the park at 9 p.m. to walk your dog? if they tried to implement that here, would we shoot them? I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know if that, I mean. But I it's, the, it's the little control I think they're able to take because okay. it's a disarmed society. Because remember, a lot of those years, it took 10 years, 15 years after they disarmed their societies. This comes back to the thing that I always say to you, Rex, and you keep bringing it up, is my fruit fly theory. And I get tired. I just get tired of saying this and thinking this, but. Things don't happen fast enough for us to see the whole story. We don't live long enough. And somebody would use the excuse. They would say, well, you know, France and England and all these places that don't have the guns we have, they're doing just fine. For now, for now, and you're a fruit, fruit fly and you're going to live maybe 100 years. Uh, but history 
you know, and that's not even that old a history right there. But if you look at all of history, it has ups and downs, and there's really ugly sides to it. And and this is an ugly side of this coin, a school shooting. It's horrible. There's also another side that comes, and it may not come in your lifetime. It may be your grandchildren's lifetime where they're going to say, why the hell did you give up our freedoms? Because now we are being marched into a camp. Now, they say that's so far-fetched, but really, in the last three years, is anything far-fetched? Mm-hmm. With, yeah, with the current meeting that we discussed today in Switzerland really happening and just seeing the overreach during COVID, is it really that far-fetched? And, okay, this is – I also want to play this then. On our first, our second podcast – no, it was our first podcast, we brought up the idea that our founding fathers never intended for us to have a military. And a lot of people are like – did. Am I understanding you correctly, Beth? And, you know, Rex explained to us that, like, you can unplug I don't think this. that's my phone. It's Which your computer. Whose phone is it? Oh, uh, I don't know Beth. what it is. I'm fixing <laughs> to use it, though. So play it. Okay. So, anyway, we weren't supposed to have a, a standing military. And people were like, are, is that what you mean? Yes. In fact, after each war, we were to disband our military because a military could be used to turn against its people. And... People were like, oh, well, he, we wouldn't do that, but we literally have a sitting president now, and I want to play it because he's actually, I don't think he's actually aware of the, <laughs> that the founding fathers set up our country where we're not supposed to have a military. And the fact that we do, because after World War II, we never disband the military when we created the industrial military complex, he, I don't think he actually put two and two together. Like, we weren't set up for you to threaten us with our own military. And then I, I want to play this clip. It- I think that it's just no t- one said it yet. It's just the a defi- 30 second The clip. definition of uh, what you're called, what you're described as democide. Is that when the government uses the military against them or? Uh, it's de- death by government. I can read. It's, uh, do you oh. want, I got the definition if you want oh, it. Please. Uh, the intentional killing of an unarmed or disarmed person by government agents acting in their authoritative capacity and pursuant to government policy or high command. That's democide. Mm-hmm. And. It's the largest killer of humans ever. Like, it, what's the largest killer? It's democide. Like, so it's like, like if we want to focus on what the biggest threat is, but how many people die, it's her computer. Sorry, guys. <laughs> democide kills more humans than anything. That's actually... Cars are second. Really interesting. Not, so if we really value human life, because that's what we're... And I, go, I don't mean to mock that sinner or whoever we're talking, but he was playing on people's emotions if we really care about human life then we would actually say wow we should do everything we can to avoid democide that's a very important fact right there thank you yeah thank you and i might add the second amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun where to get that what type of weapon you could own you couldn't buy a cannon yeah you could say the blood of the the blood of patriots you know and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there have never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on Here the government, is. you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Oh, like Ukraine, right? There's always been. Ukraine, where okay, they were passing so out guns to common citizens and they're holding off the Russian army. So okay, Joe, yeah, they need F-15s and nukes. Yeah, and I don't think he realized. We have a literal sitting president saying, you don't need guns because you can't fight the military anyway. It was never set up that way. We were to have a militia and the right to bear arms as individual people, and those two regulated each other. We shouldn't even have a military yet, lest be threatened by one. And where does he pull this stuff from, though? Just hold on a second. Grandpa just said 
that the Second Amendment from the beginning regulate. He just says it like it's fact, and, and people believe well, it. Hey, the where is it written? Them, you can have a cannon. Trust me, you could then, and you still can today with zero paperwork. You can have a Revolutionary Warp cannon. You can make one in your garage, 100% legal. What is he talking you about? You haven't been listening to Joe. <laughs> Obviously, the Second Amendment has always been and is now about hunting. And nothing oh, else. Oh yeah. I mean, it wasn't right. about democide. He says deer. They don't wear bulletproof vests, that's so they true. always they always try and make it hey, about man, hunting. It's yeah, common no, sense. No, it's actually. I'm glad we're talking about it. Like y'all, the, you the just need a single ever, shot rifle but, to kill a deer. Yeah, we're not, well, who said anything about deer? Yeah, you brought up hunting. It, Second Amendment ain't about hunting, right? I mean, I thought they realized that mo- people were 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 uh, agrarian back then, and they lived in rurally. That hunting was a was a presumption. You, you know, yeah, I mean, we that, didn't need to protect that. We how, have to do it. That's, that's like banning how, spoons. Exactly. That's how people put food on their table. No one said you needed. We, a we need to make sure we put a bill in there protecting forks, knives, and spoons <laughs> because we use those things. So right. Russell Brand had. I always like him because, I, you know, on quantum bombs, I do want to bring us to a higher of like thought process. And he was, you know, so we know some. I'd say twenty five percent of the world's population understands why America holds to their guns, right? And if you were evaluating our conversation right now, you'd say it's fear of government democide or taking over, right? Fear of losing losing our rights as as individuals. So then how do we make a world where, you know, because he was trying to find the common ground. Like, how do we make a world where there's less fear of tyranny from government? Well, yeah. So how do you enlighten 100% of the population, not 99%? Because all there it takes is like... The minute yeah. you have someone in power, they will, whether it's a large group or a small group, but they will separate and they will oppress you or put you into some form well, of slavery. Here's, or here's what's funny. No one, actually, no one believes in gun control. They just believe in gun distribution where they should be. Because no one... Right. Never, we don't get rid of guns. We don't. I've been all over Europe. There's lots of guns in the hands of the government and the people in charge. Here well, in America, the common people have guns, but er, guns aren't going anywhere. Well, it, I think what you're saying is, and it's good to frame it this way, is that they're advocates of monopolies, and yeah, they want all the guns. They want monopoly. They want a monopoly on force. Yes. And, well, yeah. And and if you start this conversation before they know they're getting into a gun debate. Just be like, are you against monopolies? Like, yeah, they're bad. Be like, are you sure you're against all kinds of monopolies? Yeah. Be like, well, then you wouldn't be for gun control because, I mean, that just it's puts a monopoly. a monopoly on force. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, all these getting together and, and uh, having group parties get together where you talk about your plans or your political ideas, you want to change things, it all sounds great. But if the, the powers that be oppose you, they're not going to write you a sternly written letter. They're going to show up and swat vehicles with guns in your face and put you on the ground and make you do what they want you to do. So, so Rex, How? Oh, yeah. Rex did a quote. I'm curious where that came from. What's you that? say it again. Absolute power. Oh, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You hear it so much, you never hear where it's from. Uh, that's funny because I don't know where it's from. It's probably one of those that don't have, like, it's a quote, the unknown, because it's so common, you know. Um, but. I was having curious, Matt. Uh, how many? How much ammo and guns is in the United States? Like you, we know that we are armed, but like, well, the I ammo is in the, neat the ammo is in the trillions, and and I own most of it. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, the ammo's 
got to be in the trillions of rounds. I've, uh, he- I've heard 400 million guns and 12 trillion rounds of ammunition. That's just yeah. the number I've heard thrown well, out. Well, look at it this 400 way. 400 million it? guns Th- and me, 12, more guns 12 trillion well, rounds. three guns per person. But let me... Oh, it's uh, more than that. Three let, guns let me, per person? No, this is good to be said because... Well, most people... What, I know a lot of people don't know a lot more guns than I just heard that. I don't know. But I think... People don't realize if we're trying to put the pieces together of why maybe the Great Reset and they're actually trying to disarm a society, I, I don't think people realize like we're really well, we're not really really strapped. But like you said, it's maybe three guns per person. Obviously, if it was even let me put this in perspective. So the Knob Creek machine gun shoot, which I don't think they have anymore, they just moved on. But they had that I think once a year, or maybe twice. But anyway. One weekend, like a three-day period, they would fire 12 million rounds of ammunition just for fun, shooting cans, junk cars, and stuff like that. 12 million rounds were fired in three days just for fun. Who is that? At the Knob Creek Machine Gun Shoot. That's where people just all across the country, they got machine guns and guns. They'd oh, go together and just have a I big see, shoot them I up. See. And then CNN would take that footage and claim it was like Syria. They st- It was funny because they said, oh, look, this uh, Trump pulled out, and look, our allies are being attacked. And they actually showed footage of Knob Creek, and everybody that's been there looked at it and went, oh, my God, that's, that's us shooting in Kentucky. Well, do you remember a few years ago you had some Russians at the farm? For some, I don't remember what they were doing. I never had any Russians. What are you talking about? <laughs> they were the friendly Russians. Huh? But I remember it was, it was an interesting they were, because they were, you know. I, were, I actually don't remember this. What are you, you talking know, about? I Oh, I, I, it was, I don't know if it was something. It was a video. There, there, it YouTubers? Was, yeah. Oh, and they were Russian, crazy Russian hacker. Was that what? It, all right. Well, the fact of the matter is, I had a conversation with one of the Russians, and they said that during the Cold War, the Soviet Union did a study. They took they took a section of the United States in the South, and they did math that if everyone in that section that owned guns had four rounds of ammunition, then it would render any paratroop invasion moot. Say that again with the four rounds. Of they ammunition? said that if. They, they, they said that, basically, let's put it this way, to simplify it, that if every American with a gun had four rounds of ammunition, the Soviet Union did a study that said that, and if we tried to attack the United States with a paratroop attack, it would be, it would be overrun with, with civilians, armed civilians. It was actually a deterrent during the Cold War. I remember to invasion, you me World this. War Two as well. I think. Well, well that, the was, that was the Japanese so thing. He said every, behind every blade of grass would be a man with a rifle. The Japanese knew that the uh, you, the ownership, the, the civilian ownership of firearms in the United States has been a deterrent to foreign invasion. Actually, I think that's a fabulous topic, and the reason people and maybe even on the left may agree with me is. It's, They're it's screaming a positive, right now. It's a positive. <laughs> well, no, it's a positive listening. point you're making when it comes to situations like Ukraine. It is positive to have an armed society because then you're not literally passing out, uh, was it, what do they call they them? They passed a- out a bunch of guns. To AK-47s. common citizens. Instead, you have... People who knew how to use Also, them a good point that JP made in his video is you have law-abiding citizens that are very educated with it. Most gun owners, like, you could try to stereotype this all you want, but you're getting to meet a few, and most gun owners are very, you know... They take pride in owning one, and they do all the the measurement, and you know, they're trained. They, I mean, they they use them. They know how to like, for instance, like the Ukraine. They threw AK forty sevens into the hands of people who had never used them before, right? Which was still effective, apparently. But it's interesting that that was their knee jerk reaction: quick arm our citizens. And I said right then, I said the gun debate's over. I mean, why would you need military style weapons? They just did it in Ukraine. Hey, did, didn't up. our Pentagon uh, stop? Somebody was going to make a move to send some jet planes to assist Ukraine, and the Pentagon was like, nope, we're not sending those. 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, th- well, I think they did because they were like, "Oh, that's a big NATO no-no or something." Well, now Russia's going to get upset. Said, okay, any, you know. yeah, right. So I think it's funny. Joe just said to take on the government, you're going to need F-15s and nukes, but he they didn't give them to him, but they did give them a bunch of guns okay, and. But what we're seeing in Ukraine, I don't know if you guys are watching the the updated maps every day. People forget there's like a full all-on war going on right. in eastern Ukraine right now. I'm sorry, I just love. A brain fart. What a point I was trying to make. What, what were you, I used that, my brain power to shut you off. You, you did. I know. Your, He's manifested your silence. <laughs> you shall be quiet. The the, the F sixteens that. Oh, that so w- we're finding out now that occupation is really important because they're they're you know they're taking over areas of land and they're having trouble occupying it, getting pushed out. Well, an F sixteen is not going to help you occupy a street corner. Right. And someone with a, a rifle is. So, like, it's the whole point. Well, that argument point. is so lame. I guess somebody told me once, they said, what do you think you want a gun like that for? I said, well, first of all, I don't plan on fighting the government. They said, but what, if you're fighting the government, they got nukes. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, there's a couple rebels downtown uh, New York City. Uh, just send a tactical nuke in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. going to go well for your public, you know, your uh, PR. But now we even have a modern war that shows you you know, yeah, they passed out just re- get rifles yeah. to common people. I, yeah. I do think that, um, thankfully, maybe sixty percent of our population may hear what he said and be like, "That makes no sense." But because I lived in <laughs> California and I have, I have and love my friends that are more liberal mindset and don't know about guns. It sounded good what Joe Biden was saying. I mean, he was babbling hey, a lot. But hang on, well, yeah, why do we? You know, we got F-15s. Did we, we, gonna get anywhere well, with wait, wait a minute. He's t- he's tough talking the federal government. They're so tough. Well, then how did a bunch of disarmed people dressed like QAnon shamans break into the Capitol? They almost overthrew the federal government oh, allegedly. Yeah, so they'll claim. Yeah, so they the they great almost insurrection. The yeah, insurrectionists right. didn't even have arms. Like right. much less than F. They had a grandma, the grandma that took a podium or something. Grandma with her American flag <laughs> almost <laughs> took them down. Like I'm why would they need an F sixteen? I'm ten full hatting on it. Was an inside job. Of course. Which one? The January sixth. Okay, um, is that Epps guy. I honestly have put no time so and the, effort thinking about it, and that's how much. So the biggest indication it. of that would be the the Epps guy. Have you guys heard of this? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a guy. Man, okay. I, I hate to have to look this up now, but so there's a there's a guy that's on film. So you know the, how they're prosecuting all the people from J six is with video evidence and all that, right? So. There's a guy that's on film everywhere on January 6th, like, hey, we're going to go in the Capitol here. And he's just provocateuring the whole thing. We know who he is. He hasn't been arrested or charged. Really? Ray Epps. And, and what's sad, I have heard this from my friend's mom, is that the people that are arrested, they haven't been let out. They've been on, like, complete lockdown, isolated hold and um, for the January 6th thing. So they haven't had trial yet? And then we could, we no. Like, it's, it's really sad and bad. It's not... Yeah, it, for that. I thought which, you had a right to a speedy trial. It's it's not okay, it's not lawful. And then I was in this. I was finding this out. You know, like meanwhile, while all these other laws are being broken, and you know they were going to the justice piece, uh, the the justice's house. I'm like, man, we were really living weird law times. Like well, before, they're taking everyday people that decided to go out and protest, and then like I don't know. I'm, I, I didn't watch much of January sixth, nor do I care to debate it or talk about it. But we know that like compared to what we've seen rioting before, like people going to take a selfie in a hallway of a building 
and you're treating them like actual criminals? That's like they what's actually weird about intended it. to do something bad? Preceding January 6th with months and months of literally burning cities. Mostly peaceful. Where they did nothing. They, I mean, they did they, well, they yeah. did and nothing. I, and then this yeah. one little day, and they're acting like this is the end of the world. And it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a hypocritical BS. And they what I thought, now this is just, rights. I want to delicately <laughs> say this, but because I don't want it to be misinterpreted, but when I was watching it, I thought, well, this is re- um, this is really good because if you have a problem with what's happening with our government, I would much rather have people go protest in front of a government building versus someone's personal neighborhood, or or the you know the sm- the businesses are also people's houses. Well, the difference between being in front of it and breaking into it. Yeah, you- but I mean, again, there's that question of did they break into it as the security guards garnered them in? I don't know, and that's why I'm like, I don't care because we're never going to find the truth anyway. So it's mm. just like I take the don't have time to even care about it. But I mean, putting anybody in jail and not giving them a trial or anything—they're a nice. Everybody needs isolation. a trial. Everybody should get a trial, quick too. And then they could be like, "Dude, I was just there for the Instagram selfie." <laughs> Russell's dying to play something. Well, I was until I saw it was seven minutes. Where of the agent provocateur aspect of January sixth? Same word. Um, I don't exactly know what the reality is, but the. What people are insinuating is that there was federal agents that were involved in instigating the violence, instigating the entering into the Capitol, and that there's this one guy in specific that they've got him isolated on video. They've shown him over and over again. He's faced no legal consequences. They know this guy's name. They know exactly who he is. All these other guys are in jail. All these other guys who got into the Capitol, I mean, so many of them are facing, like, these massive federal charges and four years plus in jail. This one guy is like, we have to go in there. We have to take back. We have to get inside there. And people start calling him a fed in, in one one of these videos. And I think he, like, takes off and runs away. But this is what it's. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I was talking yeah. about. Oh, okay. His name's Ray Epps. But, yeah, provocateur. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but yet Grandma with the American flag, she's in the slammer riding away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I actually didn't think it was that bad until, uh, Matt, you told me a friend of yours that was crossing the Canadian border was um, pulled over by the the border people and said that we ran your plates and we noticed that you went to a Trump rally. Yeah, that's um, weird. Before, Mm -hmm. and I mean, that just... Did they do that? Did they go to a Biden rally? Yeah, because I'm like, that's 50% of the country. It doesn't matter if you're pro or for Biden or Trump or Clinton. You're an American citizen. you got like right to Like, you're an opinion. American citizen going to a rally for one of the two people running for our presidency. And he well, was, they literally told him that. Okay, so they, but they actually went to a Trump rally, right? Yeah, he, yeah, okay, he went. Okay, well, in places where they don't have firearms, such as Australia, police show up at your door just for being on a Facebook group that is associated with having um, uh, anti-lockdown rally. That's not even going. They're just knocking. There's video. You know, people are obviously videoing this. You and putting liked it on. that post. That's what they say. Like you, you like that post, oh. Russell. Right. But and they, they show up at your door. They didn't or leave the, the house. Post? Yeah. Yes, yes, and what's the consequence? That. What do they do to you? They're, they're just they, snooping. They, they want you. They're to trying know. to intimidate the, you. They oh, intimidation. Know. It's oh, George, It's 1984. I would ask him. I'd say, Do you guys like where we live in? I mean, you, you got, you're getting paid for this, but 
is just something wrong with this to you? Because I just like something on social media, and you're wasting time in my house. Oh, you can't. Well, they're just they, like they, these people get off on it. They hire. I mean, we were talking about it before. It's like the, the 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 guards of the camps. They get off on the power. Yep. Oh god. Were they like the ones that were beat up in school? I guess. We're, yeah. You're like we're like 1982 in Australia right now, and they're just letting you know. But no, you are right, Rex. There are some people that may have enjoyed being an officer in. So would it would Nazi it be safe Germany? to say that democide and all of these situations is all carried out by folks that haven't. Uh, address their childhood trauma. Yes, let's close it with that. Uh, Bring us back to the topic at hand. But I want to say something. You, you just got. I had an aha moment. I think the cure to the fruit flyism is is studying history. The only way you can get outside of your own little life is to know what the heck came before, and it's all there. They're trying to start. You know, they're tearing down the statues. They're trying to. If somebody even said the reason they're not. Uh, teaching cursive anymore is because all of our government documents, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, they're all written in cursive. Mm. Someday, no one will be able to read them, and you'll be able to tell people what they say. I mean, that's that, that's that's kind of down the road or whatever. Wow. But it's it's. I'm just saying is that the only way, and that's one of these days. And again, I would like to address this the next time we'll think about this is the population and why we just know the population. But I have some information as to why it's a problem now. And why it's different than it's ever been before. Oh but, crap! We did forget about right, no, that. No, no, there, there will be. We'll more, have there, more. There will be another time. But all I'm saying is that is that people have got to know. Knowing the past is what gets you out of this 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 fruit flyness. You've got why, to. Wise men learn from the mistakes of others. Bert, and then watch everybody else do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So um, normalcy bias. I don't. I think even if people do study history. It's like some different world or time to them. Like it's in black and white. It can't mm-hmm. happen now because it's never happened in my lifetime. I think, oh, they the, think it's going to happen verbatim. I think normalcy bias is what stops people from learning the lessons of history. Well, that and the fact that people see history based on current norms, and that's another big problem. They didn't let the kids in schools learn what 9-11 was. There are young kids saying, we, do not, we know it was bad. And we don't think we need to hear about it, especially we don't need to talk about who did it. That in schools, this is supported. Russell nine eleven, they don't let them see images. They don't talk about it. They don't the gruesomeness. But we all yeah. live through it. We all know mm-hmm. it's really important to know what happened. Well, I heard, I heard that at the Alamo, uh, and I need to go see this for myself. But that if you go to the Alamo now, uh, it doesn't really talk much at all about the Battle of the Alamo. It talks about the Spanish mission, you know, how it was a church, and really? talks about immigrants and all this stuff. I'm like. When I was a kid, went to the Alamo. They talked about Davy Crockett and where he fell, and this is this is the line where the cannons were, and the Mexican army was over here. And yeah, it's it's just not that anymore. I I I, I heard I that I need to do that because it wasn't. Yeah, well, it may be twenty years since I've been, so I would. We need to go. I think I'd love to find out. I mean, because that's important. Yeah. And then, and then you can raise a fuss if it ain't to your liking. Oh, they'll hear about it. <laughs> oh, they will right. hear about it because I think it's, it, that's an important analogy with what's going on, what's, what's going on now and stuff about where we're heading and and, and we can you need to you want to end, but we can. Oh no, you're good. But uh, no, I was thinking about that of you know, to pop up to say, you know, what do you do? Tonight we talk about you can't take on the government and stuff like that. I think about the Alamo and go. They knew they were going to die, but at least they died. They died putting up a fight. And you know what? You know what Goliad is. You guys don't remember. I the just Alamo. know that it's a city in Texas I visited it is. for its historical purpose. That's a sin in purpose. Texas. You don't know the Alamo. No, remember the Alamo. It is, but the thing is, but you but you don't remember Goliad. Goliad, there was four hundred men that surrendered to Santa Ana, and he murdered all of them. So we don't remember Goliad. We remember the Alamo because they resisted. They all died, but they died fighting. 
Goliad is basically forgotten because they, they surrendered and they were killed anyway. Where, was it Goliad preceded the Alamo? I can't remember. It was about the same time. It might have been slightly before, slightly after. But I it, think I think it, I, you know, if I had to guess, I would say it's, it preceded the Alamo. And if they knew that's what happened to those guys, then they could only assume the same thing would happen to them. So therefore, Killed it you. actually makes them less courageous because they're like, they're death either way. I may as well go. I'm going to fight to the end because that's my. I have a better chance of survival because surrendering. Gonna We're going to talk next time. We're going to bring this up. I'm going to look and find out which came first, Goliath or, or the Alamo. The, I think the. So I that, think you're discrediting Texas history right here. I think you're kind of poo-pooing and the courage of our And let's give Rex props. He's a New Yorker that knows Texas history. That's pretty impressive. Well, that's important. It's important, you know. Because I'm a Texan now. Oh, thanks. We're glad, happy to have you. We would not be sitting here right now if it wasn't for the Alamo. That's true. You would not have that God land south Texas. of town if it wasn't for the Alamo. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. It's the branch. Yeah, God bless Texas. And God bless the United States. Just felt like adding everybody else in. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> that sounds racist. You can't say God bless the U.S. Oh, that's why is it racist anthem. as opposed to offensive? Well, because of our history. Oh, oh, I see. You're right. You're right. You didn't know? God bless all of humanity, and we will see you next time. Here <laughs> <laughs> on Politically Correct, <laughs> Quantum Bombs. Quantum, Quantum Bombs. bombs.